It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. UFOs seem to be invading both our skies and our news outlets like never before. And more people are starting to look up and are wondering who or what might be out there. In 2016, Ryan Sprague introduced the world to countless UFO encounters that had never been made public before. And now, in the second edition of his book, he revisits these events and introduces brand new UFO cases in Somewhere in the Skies, a human approach to the UFO phenomenon. How have these events changed the lives of those involved? And what might it tell us about the phenomenon? With in-depth follow-ups, brand new chapters, and detailed testimony from credible witnesses and insight from those in the psychological, academic, and scientific fields, Somewhere in the Skies, a human approach to the UFO phenomenon, weaves together a story of stories, attempting to get to the heart of these mysteries one experience at a time. Available now on Amazon in both paperback and ebook. To learn more, visit somewhereintheskies.com. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. So my story happened in the early morning of June 29th, 2016. Oddly enough, just a couple weeks after I had visited Roswell, New Mexico, of all places. And I was asleep in my bed on a ground, I live in a ground floor apartment. And uh, I woke up to hearing my bulldog growling from the living room. He was uh, sleeping on the couch. And at first I thought that he was growling at my neighbor who worked nights at the time. And I thought maybe he was coming home, but he knows that neighbor very well. And I thought it was odd that he'd be growling. Uh, but I could tell as I sat there for about 30 seconds listening to his growl get louder that he was about to start barking loudly. And it was four o'clock in the morning. So um, I was about to get out of bed and then my other dog who was sleeping with me, a terrier, she started barking and shot out into the living room. So I stumbled out of bed. I was trying to round them up. And as I rounded the corner from my hallway into the living room, uh, I was staring at my window that looks out onto a sort of front porch area. It's actually kind of a, uh, my building, there's a driveway that runs up along uh, the side, so the, that window looks out into the driveway. And there were lights from the building uh, and the little um, 
I, I don't know what you'd call a little patch of grass alcove where the trees are planted. There's lights projected up from the ground onto my window and my curtains were drawn and I could see that there was immediately there was a figure at the window. I could see its silhouette projected from the uh, gardening lights, whatever you want to call those, up to the um, to my window. But what was curious about it was instead of it being the silhouette of a, of a human being, this uh, thing ha- was the shadow I saw was a long skinny neck and a rounded head with a pointy chin. I couldn't see any details because the curtains were drawn. My dogs are going apeshit barking at this uh, figure. And it was so on the nose that at first I was like, well, that looks like an alien. It was like a classic gray silhouette, something that looked straight out of Close Encounters. And as I had that thought, this figure turned its head to its left, to my right. And I could see the head and neck sort of undulate. And I could see where the neck was fused at the um, the back of the head. And it looked like a golf wedge almost, except not. It was like a golf club. Um, it was actually the best way to describe it, but like a f- flatter. Um, like, you know how in E.T., like the long neck connects to the back of the head? Um, imagine that, but the head is much, you know, shorter, um, or not as, not as long, I should say. And, uh, you know, it's like a classic, again, like a classic gray alien. And when I saw that, I went, holy shit. And, uh, you know, looking back, I should have steeled myself but again you have to remember the dogs are going crazy it's four o'clock in the morning i turned on the lights in my hallway and this thing ran away from my window towards the back of the building so i walked out into my front patio that overlooks the same kind of area and i looked down to my left i couldn't see anything and at that point my next door neighbor the one that i thought was originally coming home he walked out onto his porch and he asked me what was going on and I didn't want to use the word alien so I said <laughs> something somebody was just looking in my window and he said oh my gosh that's so uh weird because I've been home for an hour watching uh Netflix on my laptop in my bedroom and I kept taking my headphones off because I could have sworn something was in my apartment watching me so we walked around the um, the property, couldn't find anything. Um, that window is about, the windowsill is about three and a half, four feet, maybe off the, uh, the ground. I should have measured it. I could still do it. I still live in the same building. Um, but uh, I couldn't see any shoulders or hands. It was just a long neck and this head. And I had my neighbor kind of humor me. And I was like, will you stand here while I go inside and take a look at this? And he was confused, but obliged. And um, the silhouette created by my neighbor, who is a, you know, average height male, uh, looked completely different. 
Um, uh, nothing else happened that night. I did not sleep. Uh, I don't know what this thing was. There was no other UFO activity that took place. Like, I wasn't experiencing any weird dreams or missing time. There were no lights involved. Nothing of that kind of phenomenon. Um, it was almost as if this, whatever this thing was, was an entity passing by. And I bet, because my bulldog snores so loud, which is often why he's in the living room, I have a feeling this thing was passing through and heard <laughs> my bulldog snoring and was peering into the window to try to figure out what this sleeping creature was inside this uh, apartment. And then at some point in the process, my bulldog woke up, sensed that there was something there and was, you know, he, it must've been standing there for a, a couple minutes because I was listening to my dog growl at this thing for at least 30 seconds before I got out of bed. Um, so yeah, I don't know what it is. I can only describe it based on what it looked like to me and what it looked like to me was an alien gray. I almost have an instinct that this was something that was maybe terrestrial or of this world, maybe not necessarily of this dimension. I know that sounds weird, but it almost felt like I'd seen a leprechaun or an elf more than I'd seen a quote unquote alien. It was something that I was not, that, that was passing by that I was not supposed to see. And that's my story. I hear my bulldog walking up here right now. Thank you, Ryan. In September of 1978, I was a youngish bureaucrat with the state of Michigan and was on a Sunday evening trip along with a workmate headed between Lansing and Kalamazoo, which are both in south-central to western Michigan. We were on I-94, which connects Detroit and Chicago, and about midway there, having passed Battle Creek, headed toward Kalamazoo. As we were traveling west, I noticed that beyond the eastbound lanes and a line of trees, there were some aerial lights that did not look normal to me and I asked the driver, driver to start uh, to stop the car which she did. I will always have to think that whatever we were looking at reacted to our stopping. It made an incredibly tight left turn and now at some perhaps 20 miles an hour and descending went directly over our car 200 to 300 feet in the air still descending over a newly harvested cornfield there some couple of hundred feet from us it made a very tight circle about a 270 degree turn at what looked to me and struck me as a ballerina's pirouette. It was so tight. This object was in wingspan, something approaching uh, a 747. It was sort of like a boomerang and sort of like a, an isosceles triangle. Uh, it was all black. The rear side of it was a little bit indented, and so from that I understand why some people would call it a boomerang. But to me it was more of a triangle. After 
doing this 270, it moved at oh, 50 feet above the ground at virtually jogging speed and stopped over a clump of trees in that field. There, it simply levitated. As it was passing over and as we were still looking at it, just a couple hundred feet away over the field, I could see that there was no window, no light, no insignia, simply a black triangular form. I did not hear a thing. I know that others in connection with boomerang sightings have said they heard a light humming sound. I did not. While this was performing this pirouette and moving so slowly, the driver shouted at me to run after it, which sounded immediately like a fine idea. Still kind of looking up, I started to run, forgetting that every interstate has a metal fence, and I bounded off this one like a trampoline and landed on my posterior. I immediately started laughing to at myself, thinking, whoever is inside this thing, they're probably thinking, beam us up, Scotty, there's no intelligent life down here. But as I crawled back onto my feet, a queasy feeling came over me that I wasn't supposed to run right up underneath this. I was supposed to just stand here and take it all in, which we did for a couple of more minutes until I noticed taillights in the distance on a side dirt road on the other side of the field. I felt I need more witnesses, and I raced down that newly harvested corn row and caught up with a 40-ish man and his adolescent son who were outside their car and looking at the same thing. As we were trading notes, primarily about the beginning of the sighting for, for me, it began moving ever so slowly, first at just walking speed, then jogging and picking up pace slowly while staying very low to the ground. And in five more minutes, it was gone. I cannot tell you that what I looked at was a military vehicle, a UFO, or anything in between. I just know that it was damn strange to me. I first joined MUFON in April 1978 and immediately set myself up with the Lansing Police, the County Sheriff, the State Police, and airports to receive calls from people who believed they had seen a UFO. The police didn't want these calls and MUFON did, so it was a good marriage. In late September of that year, from the small town west of Lansing where I resided, I received about seven o'clock and the minutes thereafter three calls right in a row by people who said they had seen an odd red light meandering over a river that coursed through Lansing. Well, I went out onto my back property and looked eastward toward Lansing to determine what these people were looking at, either something easily identified or perhaps something more than that. As I was looking and dusk was falling, the stars just starting to pop out, 
what I thought were two stars suddenly and simultaneously started moving. One went further east and the other approached my little town going west. As it came closer, I could tell this was not just a single red light. It was actually four lights, two red and two green at opposite corners of a square formation, perhaps 10 feet to a side. And they were blinking red and green. Now, I didn't know a lot of things, but I did know that FAA rules prohibited any aircraft or helicopter or anything flying from having two green lights. So I opened the back door and shouted into my then wife, I've just got to drive on this one. I hopped into my Mustang, charged out onto the county road heading farther west. By now, these lights still in a square, still blinking red, green, red. I was trying to catch up with them from perhaps a half mile behind, thinking, what if a cop stops you? It's all right, officer, I am chasing a UFO. Well, that wasn't going to work. Several miles farther west, there was a little tiny village set off the road, and as the lights and I chasing them approached this village, they suddenly shot diagonally across the road and over that little one-block business district of the village. As they did, it lit up, and the sky for many thousands of feet above it lit up in white for just a split second, like a flashbulb. And I thought, Whoever this is, they just took a picture of this little village? That makes no sense. Well, the lights kept going angularly to the northwest, and I knew the road continued straight west, so I had to get off it. I found a gravel road to the north, and then one to the west, and north, and west. I was losing distance to the lights, which were going, as they say, as the crow flies. Trees were up close to the road. I was flying down rolling gravel roads, hoping that I didn't encounter any car coming the other way. And finally, after a number of minutes, the trees gave way around me. The road straightened out into a large area of farm fields. And there they were. The same red lights in the square, red and green, blinking alternately. They were situated some 50 or 60 yards away from me, hovering perhaps 10 or 15 feet above a field. I pulled off onto a driveway that led way back to a darkened farmhouse, angled my car toward the lights, and all I could think to do initially was to try something like a Morse code, which I didn't know, with my headlights, blinking, 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 and so forth. The, the lights kept going red and green, slowly and hovering above this field. After some five minutes of trying my quote-unquote Morse code, I thought, well, it's time to do what you came here to do walk right up underneath them and see what happens. I opened the door of my Mustang. I stood up between the body 
and the door of the car and something happened. I went blank in my mind. I don't know for how long, perhaps a minute, perhaps an hour. I just don't know to this day. When I kind of came back into a full awareness again, the lights were no longer in front of me and I thought, what the hey? And I whirled around instinctively and now they were behind me in an adjacent farm field, still about 12 or 15 feet above the ground, still blinking in this monotonous red-green fashion. But the thought of walking up to them never occurred to me again, and I got a queasy feeling, I'm interrupting something. Whoever is behind these lights, they have some sort of an agenda which I am delaying. So I started my car and I drove away. When I got back home, it was now dark. I really did not check a clock to see how long I had been gone. It was longer than I should have been. But I lay down in my lazy boy chair and I just started rocking and thinking, whoever these guys are, they don't need weapons. They just bend your mind a little bit and you do exactly what they want. In my case, it was to drive away. I have a story for you that um, is actually my daughter's story and I tried to get her to tell it. She'll do photographs, you know, for her Facebook. So I did manage to get her to do a note about it after she told me, it happened in February. She calls me up, it's around eight o'clock in the morning. And she's like, I answer the phone, I'm still in the bed. And she's like, mom, you're not gonna believe how insignificant we are. And I was like, what? And she says, you you just don't even know. You just don't even know. I've been waiting all night to call you. I've not even been to bed. You're not going to believe what I saw. She was, well, actually, if anyone would believe it, it will be you, but you're not going to believe what I saw. And I was like, well, you know, I'm confused. What are you fucking talking about? So um, she tells me that uh, she was going to call me as soon as it happened, but her boyfriend convinced her that it was too late at night not to bother calling me. And, um, she hadn't been able to sleep, so she called me as soon as she just couldn't wait anymore, which was around 8 in the morning. She's a very um, very private person, but this was bigger than her. As she put it, this was bigger than everything that you think you know or anything they'll ever tell you. They being society, churches, everything. So I'm just going to read you the note that she put on her Facebook Last night, while my boyfriend and I were laying on the couch watching TV, he saw a light out of the corner of his eye and told me to look at how low the plane was. When we opened the blinds and got a better look, we realized that it was an irregularly shaped aircraft, so low to the ground it was almost brushing the tops of the trees. There was no sound in the room, and yet we couldn't hear the the aircraft making noise at all. It was completely silent and gliding smoothly. It had four lights on the underside in a row, a white, a red, another white, and then a blue. In the front, set apart from the rest, was a bright white light that was bigger than the others. I couldn't make out a body shape. It looked almost like floating lights. Common sense tells me that if there was a body, the bright lights would have illuminated it enough for me to see. I knew immediately what I was looking at. In the instant that I saw it, within two seconds, the lights began cutting off one by one, starting in the front with the bigger, brighter light. The others cut off in the back one by one from left to right. 
It was over in about 15 seconds. It was massive and hovering directly above the backyard. I was looking up at it, directly under it. It was approximately 30 feet wide and 20 feet long. Now, after she wrote this note, we got to talking about the size comparison, uh, you know, compared to the mobile home she's in, uh, which is surrounded by trees. It's um, in like an, I don't know, it's like a cutout in the woods at the beginning of their neighborhood surrounded by trees there's a water like a water runoff in the back it's swampy behind that tree line in their backyard and it's bigger than what she thought the 30 by 20 it's bigger she realized afterward my boyfriend and I were on edge waiting to see something else when we finally settled back down exactly one hour later we saw another it was going the opposite direction of the first, and it was completely different. This one made a slight humming noise, just hardly loud enough to hear, and it had a wingspan like a plane, but they were squared as opposed to being aerodynamic. Four red lights lined the wingspan. There was a mass on the back, but I couldn't make out what shape it was in, as it happened faster than the first one. I ran to the next window after it was out of my eyesight, to get a better look, but it was gone. No noise, nothing. The strangest thing about all of it was that my boyfriend and I saw different colors on the second one. Although we saw the exact same thing at the exact same time, I saw four red lights and he saw four yellow. I trust without a doubt that he knows what he just what he saw just as he trusts me. There's no explanation as to why we would see two separate things while staring at the same thing. Finally, today... At 5.30 p.m., right as the sun was starting to set, we saw out the back kitchen window some sort of smoothie, smoothly gliding mass. It wasn't round. It wasn't oblong. It wasn't cylindrical. I couldn't put my finger on how to explain it. All I really took away from it was that it had purpose. It looked like it was on a mission. It just wasn't floating along, smacking into the limbs. It dodged them and landed on the ground. By the time I got on my shoes and ran into the woods, it was gone. All in all, what I saw was undeniable. I couldn't write it off as something else because it wasn't far away. It was close enough to throw rocks at. I'm not crazy. I'm not on drugs. I wasn't under the influence of anything. And... What she um, kept saying afterwards was constant. It was all the time. It was, you're insignificant. I would ask her, are you coming over for dinner tonight? She'd go, yeah. I'd say, well, what do you want to eat? She'd go, doesn't really matter. It's insignificant. And I'd be like, oh, come on. She'd laugh and go, I'm serious, mom. There's nothing matters anymore. Nothing is what we think it is. Nothing. And for people that doubt her, she says um, her exact quote, um, you can be a believer. Oh, you don't believe? Ask me how to. Call 1-800-YOU-DIDN'T-SEE-WHAT-I-SAW. <laughs> um, her boyfriend never believed in any of that, ever. He's from North Carolina. He's very, very down home, very, you know. And um, he said ah, he doesn't need to see nothing else. He, I don't need to see anything else to know to know that things are not what we have been told. Um, she said it changed her outlook on everything. I felt insignificant and yet so privileged. And I know she felt privileged. I would have loved to have seen that. Whatever it was that she saw, whatever it was she saw was powerful. It changed my child. It changed my child completely. She did not sleep solid for almost two months. 
just sleep did not happen for her. She was a little scared. She was confused. Anybody would be. But uh, she's one of the sanest people I know. She's the grounded one. She keeps me in check. So um, that's her story. And around that same time, I did a little research online. Uh, They have like websites and different things where you can check reports that were made in your area or in other areas. And quite a few reports were made within the about 15 to 20 days around that time frame, give or take, for this area. Um, right through the Edgecombe County, Nash County, Wilson County area. Um, there were a string of events publicly viewed in, I think it was Arizona, right around the same time. The, I mean, like police officers and lawyers and, I mean, people with stature in the community witnessed it and were like, you know, I know what I saw. And, of course, no one doubts them. But, uh, yeah, so... um. I believe my daughter and not because she's my kid, but because I know her. So there's her story. And, um, she says we're insignificant. Hello, my name is Larry Gessner. And when I was approximately 15 years old, this would be somewhere around 1968, somewhere in there. I had a UFO sighting. This was something that changed my life. My friend and I, we lived in uh, upstate New York. I say upstate New York, it's probably about 50 miles north of uh, New York City in a town called Monroe, New York. My friend and I uh, lived next to each other and we liked to fish and we were always curious to see if catfish would uh, bite uh, from uh, if we went out in a boat on the lake. We had a lake right next door to us. It was uh, called Orange and Rockland Lake, very small lake, uh, but had stocked well with fish and people always used to fish it. But we had this idea that we would go out at night in a rowboat and go catfishing. And so we go and we get in the boat and uh, row out to, oh, I don't know, somewhere uh, probably about 50, 60 feet offshore, maybe a little bit more than that. And we're just sitting there. It's a clear night. Stars are out. Uh, You know, we're fishing. We're not really getting anything, so we're just basically talking to each other and looking up at the stars. And as I'm looking to the, I want to say, the northeast I spot something, something catches my eye, and what it appears to be is a meteor at first, but then I realize that it's traveling in an upwards direction, and everything that I knew told me that meteors, you know, fall down or parallel or at a right angle coming downward from the sky. So this was kind of puzzling to me, and so I mentioned it to my friend, my friend's name was Wayne. And I said, Wayne, what is that? This, that's not a meteor. And we started to look at it, and we watched it traveling in an upward direction, uh, coming from the northeast. And what was puzzling about this was that when you looked at it, it looked like a star traveling 
at a lower altitude. And it just kept coming and coming. And then all of a sudden, something dawned on me that I was looking at, I don't know how to express it. It was just it, the, the light was moving at a, you know, it dawned on me that this thing, whatever it was, was traveling at a higher rate of speed and that what we were looking at was it was at a higher altitude and it was traveling upward and it was giving us the impression that it was traveling upward but what it was doing in actuality was it was following the curvature of the earth and it's very hard to express this and your mind just sort of is boggled by this at first, but then what happens is we're following the star. Now, Wayne and I are both locked on this, and all of a sudden it gets to about an 11 o'clock position in the sky, stops dead on a dime. Now, now we're freaked out because this is something we've never seen before in our entire lives. I've never seen anything like this, and I'm trying to figure out what, what's going on. And as we stand, you know, we, we're in the boat looking at this, and trying to figure out how this is even possible. You know, there's no aircraft that we know that can do something like this. And I mean, this is just a solid white light like a, like a star. And we were focused on it and what seemed to be, oh, uh, minutes, but it was probably, uh, you know, 30 seconds maybe, maybe a little bit more, but it seemed like it was just, we were just, you know, mesmerized by this thing. We look at it and all of a sudden this thing changes direction and shoots across the sky going south at an unbelievable pace. I mean this thing just shot across the sky faster than anything I'd ever seen before in my entire life and it completely went all the way to the horizon. I mean we could see uh, see it for as long as we could and it was I mean it covered a vast distance but it was gone. It was just gone. And that was the first time that reality hit me. And I realized that we are not alone in the universe. And at that point, you know, in 1968, we're just, we're basically, we just landed on the moon, you know? And uh, we, we had no idea what this was. All we knew was it moved really fast. And it had some extraordinary capabilities to be able to stop on a dime like that. So, when we, you know, sat there and talked to each other, it was just like we were just so amazed. And we couldn't wait to tell anybody. I mean, it was like the next day in school, uh, you know, I'm like a freshman in high school. And that we're, we're trying to express everybody, we saw a UFO and everybody's laughing at us. Oh yeah, sure. What are you guys smoking? You know, and it was just—it was so profound that you know I realized that the possibility that we're not—we're not alone in the universe is very real, and so that changed my whole perspective on this. And so at that point, I started delving into uh, UFO uh, research to see what other kind of things had happened, you know, I started to learn about, uh, you know, all the different, every book that I could possibly pick up, I picked up and read all these countless 
you know, stories, encounters, things like that. Uh, and it, it just amazed me. I, I realized that, you know, I was the only one. Both, you know, I had a witness with me. We both saw this. We knew we weren't crazy. And so, you know, that was one of the things that, that started this whole thing for me. And so that was the first encounter that I had. You know, had a witness with me. Uh, studied UFOs for ever. I mean, I never lost my interest in it. I was always, you know, we need to know, somebody needs to know about this. You know, we got to get this out in the open. So after years and years and years, you know, uh, being ridiculed and not being, you know, taken seriously on this, I basically had put it on the back burners, you know, realizing, okay, I've been fortunate enough to be witness to this. The, the, the world is probably not ready for this. What, what is it, you know, who, who is this? What are they doing? And are they just observing us or, or is, is there contact being made? This is the first, the first thing that happened to me. And I'm going to say it back in 1968. It wasn't until 2003 when uh, my wife and I had the second encounter that uh, I got a really good look at a ship. And that uh, reinforced my belief that we were not alone. This thing shot out of the sky, uh, came down like a shooting star, stopped dead, uh, lights came on, uh, it moved towards us, my wife and I saw it, uh, it was about 800 feet, somewhere 800,000 feet maybe from us in the air, and this thing was at least, we estimated after, you know, thinking about it, that it was probably somewhere in the vicinity of, uh, of a diamond-shaped craft that was uh, 100 feet, uh, or not 100 feet, 200 feet tall and maybe 100 feet across. Uh, and it, it, had, it had red and white and green lights on it. And it also, when it had windows and they were backlit from the inside, and when we, you know, I, I was staring at the windows saying, okay, am I going to see a silhouette of a an individual, a person, uh, alien, what am I going to see? And the one thing that I did notice was a structural support, much like you would see on a large aircraft, a beam that has holes cut into it to uh, reduce the weight. Uh, and I also recounted when, uh, when uh, I had to relive that episode again, for the series identified and Lou was with me uh, when we went back to the site to recount the event the thing that popped out or, or you know popped into my head all of a sudden was I remember looking at the windows the, there was like two rows of windows and I remembered looking at the uh, indentation in the craft to indicate that the walls were thick uh, and that was something that, that uh, just, you know, uh, you hear this all the time from uh, law enforcement uh, uh, people who have the victims recount the, the event and they remember something else that happened. It's details that, that, that the mind hides at first. In 2005, I had my third 
UFO encounter or phenomenon that I have no explanation for. It was about 6.30 in the morning. My son was living with me and we lived in McCluskey, North Dakota, where I still live, just a different house now. Where we, where we lived, he had uh, taken a job with a contractor and the contractor was coming to pick him up. His boss was coming to pick him up at about, oh, I don't know, 6.30 in the morning, something like that. And he wanted to go outside and have a cigarette before his boss came. And it was warm out, probably in June, I think July, somewhere in there. And I said, okay, I'll go out and have a cup of coffee with you while you're having your cigarette. So we went out and stood in the driveway. And I'm facing to the west. He's facing to the east and talking to me. And while we're standing there, I looked to the west and saw what I thought was a, a headlight from a tractor out in the field. There were fields uh, to the north across the highway. Highway 200 runs east and west, and I'm facing west and off to the west in the distance, uh, there are fields out there. And what I thought at first was a, a light from a tractor, uh, and then it dawned on me that there would be really no reason for them to be out at 6.30 in the morning doing something, and that, that kind of, you know, puzzled me. But I figured, okay, maybe they're out there doing something. So I'm standing there talking to my son, and as the light uh, is moving towards us, uh, it's starting to get larger, and when it comes into uh, sight that I can actually see what's going on, I realize that it's a luminous ball of light, uh, approximately 10-15 foot in diameter and approximately somewhere between 10 and 20 feet off the ground and it's just moving to the east cruising along like there's nothing nothing to it no sound whatsoever uh, this thing is just cruising along and the best way I can describe the the um, vision of it is it's almost as if the moon were on a full uh, you know a full moon lit down 10-15 feet off the uh, the ground, moving across the the, the sky here. Uh, it was the kind of thing that you look at, you can't make any sense out of it because you don't know what it is. Uh, it had the intensity of a moon, uh, but yet no sound. This thing is just cruising along, hovering, you know, above the ground, not making a sound. Uh, and when you see something like this, your mind just goes berserk because you're, you're paralyzed. Your, your mind is focused on trying to uh, make sense out of it. All your senses, everything is focused on this to see if you can determine what it is. And, and you know, based on your perception of life, everything that you've ever seen before, this is something that doesn't follow the rules of physics or anything that you know. So your mind is just preoccupied with trying to figure it out. 
Now, I've been asked this many times, you know, why didn't you just jump in the squad car, because I was sheriff at the time, why didn't you just jump in the squad car and, and chase it? And the best thing I can say is, you're, you're dumbfounded, you're paralyzed. Uh, you, your, your, your mind is not thinking about going to chase it, you're trying to figure out what it is. You're just in awe. So we watched as this thing came closer and closer, and finally, you know, uh, as we're, we both faced it, I, I made mention of it right away. As soon as I realized it was a ball of light, I told my son, look at this. You know, and he turned around, and he and I both witnessed this travel right across from us, maybe, oh, it, uh, I don't know, somewhere between 20 and 30 miles an hour, I guess, if it, if it was even going that fast. Uh, and it, we watched it go right across the field and keep on going to the east. And like I say, you know, to this day, I have no explanation as to why I did not just jump in the squad car and chase after it. I can't. I don't have an explanation. It just, I was so dumbfounded looking at this thing and so amazed trying to figure out what it was. <laughs> and like I say, it was the intensity or the light that you would see if you were looking at the moon it was opaque it was white it wasn't clear it wasn't uh, bright like the sun or it wasn't uh, anything like that it was a pale white luminous you know uh, object so that was my third encounter and uh, once again a witness with me and I have no idea what it was. Uh, you know, there had been uh, stories of uh, uh, what they call it, ball lightning, I think it is. And I had never seen anything like that before in my life. Uh, if it was ball lightning, I can't imagine something being 10, 15 foot in diameter, cruising along in a direct line not wavering up and down. It was on a solid path. Uh, it, was, it was almost as if it was being intelligently controlled uh, to maintain that altitude or that height off the ground and the speed that it was, it was a constant speed. Now, I have never seen ball lightning before, so I do not think that anything based on the accounts that I have read about uh, believe that this was ball lightning by any stretch of the imagination. This had to be some sort of orb, uh, if you want to call it an orb of some sort, uh, it being intelligently controlled, moving along, um, at, you know, at a, at a fair pace. So that is my third encounter. And just like all the other two that we've had, it, it just mystifies me, it, it boggles my mind as that what could possibly, you know, this was a controlled energy of some sort. So, that would be my end of that account, or encounter. You asked me to describe how I feel. The main word is frustrated, laughed at, ridiculed, not taken seriously. I have had three encounters with another witness at each of these encounters. So these are three separate encounters with three different witnesses 
together. I mean, there's, I, I'm not with somebody each time. I'm I'm with somebody each time, but it's a different person each time, different time spans, you know, years apart. When you have this happen to you, you realize that something's wrong. We are not being told the truth, and it's maybe for our own good. I don't know. I really don't know. I joined MUFON because I wanted to become a UFO investigator. That didn't do anything. Maybe the experience, the the um, exposure, because of that. Uh, you know, I, I thought things were going to develop totally different. I thought that you know there would be camera crews. I thought that there would be reporters. I thought that this would become a main main event, but it never did. I mean, not until lately. You published my story or my event, my encounter, in your book. That helped a lot. I was briefly featured in the TV show Unidentified. I thought that was going to cause my phone to be ringing off the hook with interviews, and I don't know what happened. Uh, nobody has contacted me. So it makes me wonder why. All these things to expose the truth. And 50 years later, from my, ver my first encounter, and where are we? Just now beginning to see the partial disclosure happening. The best and brightest minds that mankind has to offer have most assuredly been assigned to this phenomenon at the top, highest level. Uh, we will never probably know the story until everything is, is brought out in the open. I have to ask myself, why keep this a secret? The human race is not prepared to handle the technology. That is one of the reasons that I can say, you know, would we destroy ourselves with this? But I think about all the positive things that could happen. Anti-gravity, propulsion, faster travel to and from around the planet, the uh, not having to rely on fossil fuels anymore to provide fuel for the daily vehicles that we need, the free energy that could be given to hospitals, that could be given to agencies. If they didn't have to pay for these things, then that cost could be removed from the end product. Uh, everybody would benefit. That's just my opinion on that. We have been at this for, what, 70 years plus? And how can we, as the human species, evolve to the point of not only disclosure, but implementation of this technology, and it could change life to the better for all mankind? But yet, it's being suppressed. What can we do as the human race to move forward and not be held back? These questions are ones that I ponder every single day of my life. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to know that the solution to a lot of the world's problems is right at our very fingertips. And yet, we're not using it. 
or were not being allowed to use it, I should say that. So that's how I feel. I'm pretty frustrated. I hope that before my time is up on this planet as a human being, uh, that all of this comes to light in a manner that makes sense to everyone and that everyone benefits from it. This is Bill. I currently reside in Central Florida, but at the time of this sighting, I was living in my hometown in Northern Kentucky. Back in the early 80s, early to mid 80s, I would say, myself, my dad, who has since passed, and several of my friends were standing out in the front yard of my grandparents' house which at the time I was staying with my grandparents. We were overlooking this uh, pasture that butted up to the property that my grandparents had in the housing development where they lived. Several of us were standing there and we looked over into the pasture, which was um, part of a, a big ranch owned by a well-known family in my hometown. We looked and there was something floating across the pasture, shining a light down on the pasture. And when we first saw it, it had to be, oh, probably a, a quarter mile away. But then it continued to come towards us. When it finally got the closest it was going to be, it was approximately 200 feet away about 150 feet in the air. Now I know, you know, some of you are thinking, it's hard to determine distance and size at that range or when something's up in the air. But to that, I kind of add a, another dimension to the identification process in that it was shining a light down onto the pasture itself. The pasture, the, the light itself the, that was shining on the pasture was circular once it hit the ground. If the, if the object had been farther away um, or if it had been, uh, um, you know, shining a light down at an angle, then of course it would not, the light itself would not be circular. It would be more oblong. And then of course the, the greater the angle the more oblong the spotlight would be. But it was, uh, by the time it was two, about 200 feet away, there was absolutely no noise whatsoever. And if it had been a helicopter uh, shining down the light, we obviously would have heard it. Now, of course, I, under I know that, that, that people say that there are silent helicopters and things of that nature. And I understand that. But this could not have been a helicopter because the lights from the the barn uh, on the ranch kind of backlit behind the object itself. And the object was approximately 30 feet across. It was flat on the bottom and the light was coming out of the bottom. And it was somewhat dome-shaped on the top 
Well, maybe a, a combination of dome shaped, slightly triangular shaped, or, or pyramid type shape across the top. Kind of hard to describe, but that's the best way I can describe it is as a, a combination of a, uh, the top part of a dome with slight triangular features. But it continued to shine the light down various places in the pasture itself. Quite often there would be uh, the the family's herd of cows that would be out in this pasture using it as grazeland. But at this point, I don't believe there were any cows out there at the time. So I, we were all looking at it. We, we were talking in the front yard, and then we all noticed it about the same time. And then we're all looking at each other like, what the heck is this? We really had no idea. And as it got closer, we're, we're noticing again, we all made the comment to each other that it was not making sound. And it was getting closer. So it stopped at about the 200-foot mark, about 150 feet in the air, and still shining this light down on the pasture. This whole sighting probably took a good, oh, three to four minutes uh, from the time that we saw it first shining the light down about a quarter mile away till it got to the closest that it actually was. And then shortly thereafter, it started heading off back towards the edge of the property of the ranch in the opposite direction of where we were. So eventually, we're all, we're all standing there transfixed, and eventually it just ends up going over a hill, continually shining this light down. It eventually went over this hill and out of sight. After it was all said and done, again, all of us are standing there going, what the heck was that? Now, I have to understand, in northern Kentucky, that's an area of the, of the country where it's not unusual to have um, sightings of unidentified objects in the air. It's almost, it's not quite, I'd say, commonplace, but it's enough to where folks, you know, it doesn't surprise folks when we get reports of UFOs or unidentified objects, things of that nature. And it all just kind of, you know, we weren't shocked by it, but we were all scratching our heads trying to figure out what it was. To this day, I still have no idea what it was. We looked, you know, being a, uh, a person who is interested in sightings of this nature, we all looked for potential articles in the hometown newspaper of cattle mutilations, things like that, after this sighting, none of us saw anything. So either there were none or it was kept hush-hush. That we're uncertain of. But I do know what I saw and everyone that was with me that day. Unfortunately, I can't ask my dad anything else about it since he's no longer with us. But I have to say that while I wasn't afraid of what I saw at all, it left me with the sense of wonder, like not every question in the world has been answered and we still have things we need to know or that we need to find out or we need to figure out 
and, and move on. Thank you for listening. Take care. Hi, Ryan. This is Elena. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my story. On August 30, 2014, I woke up, went to the kitchen, had some orange juice. Finding myself wide awake, I decided to check on my truck, which was parked next door to our building. And I could do this by viewing it from a west-facing floor-to-ceiling window in our living room. I had to lay on my tummy because the shade was pulled down three-quarters of the way and the lever for pulling the shade was inconveniently located and also very squeaky when pulled. My husband was sleeping just down the hall. Again, this is San Francisco, so um, it's a small place. I didn't want to wake him up. As I laid there, checking on my truck, everything was fine. By the way, the reason I was doing this is the gate was open, um, stuck in the open position. So we were constantly worried at night about the truck getting vandalized. Truck was fine, but I found myself feeling very peaceful. It was a super dark, inky black night. It was so quiet, which is very unusual. Nothing going on except for one light um, kitty corner to where I was positioned in a dilapidated building. I thought it was so unusual that there were that there was one light on in this dilapidated building with nothing else going on that night or that morning. So I grabbed a set of binoculars from my husband's sail bag, which was in the living room, and decided to investigate. I didn't see anything going on in that building, and yet I stayed still because there was just something very peaceful about the morning, being wide awake in this dark morning. I turned my gaze again to the left where my truck was. I looked up in the sky and there was a bright star that started to fall. And as it did so, it started to come toward me. And this part I have to read from my blog. Um, just help me um, describe it best. So, as I saw the white lights rapidly twirling downward on a diagonal trajectory in my direction, I thought a jet was falling out of control, but quickly realized with certainty that that wasn't the case because there weren't any green or red lights. Though I was sure the lights were fixed to an object by their pattern rotation, which slowed as it neared closer. I soon saw that the object was a giant black rectangle which had been spinning like a top on its vortex. The spinning stopped and it glided into a position directly in front of me at my window, straight up and down, long ways like a big black door, where it hovered above the ground. It had four round white lights, one on each corner, and was completely stable in its hovered state. The lights did not emit a beam, pulsate, or blink. The rectangle did not wobble. I don't recall hearing any sounds at all. I inspected the rectangle with my binoculars, but there was nothing to see on the surface other than the four white lights. The binoculars fogged up, so I put them down, and shortly thereafter, 
it slowly levitated, turned on its side, think flying carpet style, and floated off over the horizon. I ran to my computer to make a post on Facebook, and I'm so glad I did, because it served as a reliable timestamp for the duration of the episode. I know I was drinking orange juice in the kitchen at 4 a.m. because I looked at the clock. Rushing to post an update on Facebook, hoping someone would look up and see the rectangle. I know the entire timeline was about 15 minutes. The next thing I did was Google, what do you do when you see a UFO? At no time did I feel threatened or afraid. I felt peaceful in the quiet, dark morning. And during the incident, during the incident I was simply awestruck in a state of wonderment over what was occurring. On my mind were feelings of deep curiosity and gratefulness to be witnessing something so extraordinary and unexplainable. Afterward, I felt invigorated, bewildered, and determined to understand what I had seen. I've relayed this encounter to numerous friends and family and co-workers, and many wanted to know why I didn't wake my husband. The truth is that I didn't even think of it. I was completely in the moment and would not have done anything to distract myself or put the sighting in jeopardy by creating a commotion. But having had to explain this so many times, I promised myself that if there were ever to be a next time, I'd make it a priority to record by camera or video. In July 2015, I seized such a moment. I've been struggling to share those details from the 2015 incident but I do expect to do so eventually. Thank you so much. Hi, Ryan. My name is Oscar. I live in Colorado, but the incident I'm about to talk about takes place on the road somewhere between Arizona and California. Me and my brother took a trip out there to go see some friends, and I think we only went there for I think that one day, and we're driving back at night, and the way the freeway is kind of set up driving back from Arizona to California is you have two lanes on one side, and then a dirt area dividing, a large dirt area dividing the lanes for the cars going the opposite way. And we're driving, and it's probably around... 11 o'clock at night and my brother had fallen asleep in the car which he was supposed to stay awake to keep me awake but I start seeing this really bright light in the sky and at first I thought it was a helicopter but it started going back and forth side to side and the light was still facing like towards me and I'm just paying attention to this light and I try to wake up my brother and I'm telling him, hey, like, look at this, look at this. Just so I have somebody else to see it with me. Uh, But he's not waking up. He's just kind of like mumbling, telling me to leave him alone. And I'm paying attention to this light. And out of nowhere, a car driving the wrong way is coming right towards me. And I have to swerve really hard to the right. And luckily there was no car on the the right lane next to me. And I swerve to get away, and then that's when my brother wakes up, and he's like, "Are you okay? Are you all right? Did you, were you falling asleep?" And I was like, "No, there was a there was a car 
right in front of me like it came out of nowhere and when I turned around to see where this person was going there was no car I saw no taillights driving away in the distance I saw other cars in the other lane you know going the opposite way but there was really nobody in on my side of the road and I have no idea where that car came from it just seemed like it came out of nowhere but the light was no longer there in the sky like immediately right after that so it just left me really confused and wondering what I just saw and I still to this day I have no idea what it was Uh, my brain likes to try to rationalize it by thinking you saw a helicopter and then somebody was driving the wrong way on the side of the road but it really felt like the two were connected in some way and I'm just it sucks that my brother was asleep and didn't see it he just knows that I swerved to get out of the way but when I swerved I didn't see like a car pass me or anything like that and like I said when I looked back there was no car driving away So I have no idea what it was. I know that I couldn't tell for 100% sure that the light in the sky was a helicopter. And I couldn't tell that it was actually a car driving straight towards me. I just saw a bright light right in front of me and I had to swerve right after seeing the light in the sky. And yeah, there's still like, I, I just don't, I don't know what it was. It was just extremely bizarre and weird but yeah that's my short little incident experience whatever you want to call it Uh, I know there's not really a lot to it but thank you for taking the time to listen I really enjoy the podcast and keep doing what you do hello okay this is going to be kind of difficult for me to do Um, because I have to try to recall things. Um, There are pieces missing from my memory, but there are little things here and there that I remember. I'll tell a quick story. I'll make it short. When I was about nine years old, my family and I were living overseas in a place called American Samoa. It's in the South Pacific. Me, of course, you know, this little blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl. Um, They call them palanges. What they call us white people, Palangis. It's kind of like how the Hawaiians call us Howleys, or the Mexicans call, we call me a, a gringa, you know, male gringo. Anyway, and my friend Amada, she had red hair. She was, you know, a ginger carrot top, and she had um, really like hazel colored eyes, and her little brother, Kimo, who had um, brown hair and blue eyes. She also had a sister named Josie who looked a lot like me. She had um, blonde hair and blue eyes. Uh, they, they, All three of them had the same mom, the same dad, but they all looked like, completely different from each other. Okay, anyway, my point is, is we were at the playground in this neighborhood, and it was probably about, I don't know, close to 7 o'clock at night, and I had to be home by 7.30. So we were the only ones there. All the kids had gone inside. We were just kind of s- sitting out there. Um, we weren't sitting on like a swing or anything like that. There was like this pipe like thing that came up out of the ground and 
was shaped kind of like, well, like this, you know, it, and we were, and it was yellow and we were playing on that, you know, like sitting on it, climbing on it. And we were just talking about, I don't even know what we were talking about. We were little kids when all of a sudden I saw this red dot. It wasn't a light. It wasn't shiny. It was almost like, like a balloon would look just, but very, very red. Um, and it was just in the sky and it looked pretty far away. And there was an airport there. There was uh, the FAA was very close to this neighborhood. So I see this red dot in the sky and I didn't really think anything of it. I just thought, oh, there's a balloon up there. And I pointed it out to Amada and Kimo and they both looked at it and were like, yeah, we forgot about it. Went back to talking and playing. And all of a sudden I noticed that this red dot had grown. It gotten closer and it was just hovering there like a giant balloon in the sky. It was weird. It wasn't moving the way a balloon should move. It wasn't stationed in the sky the way that you would expect a balloon to be. And this is on a tropical island. There's wind. This thing was not blowing around. It it was like it was literally just had an intelligence to it and it was doing its own thing. So we thought that was odd, but again, being small kids, we didn't really think too much of it. Although I kept looking at it and I just thought, why does this thing keep getting closer and closer to us? <sighs> this went on for a good 15 minutes. And then I realized, oh gosh, you know, 7.30, I got to get home. It was a good 10 or 15 minute walk home. Um, Amada and Kimo lived in, on the same side of the neighborhood as me. So we decided we were going to start walking home. We start walking and Oh, how do I explain this? It was like almost like a heaviness in the air. We felt this thing. I know I did. So I turned around and this red dot was literally hovering right over us, right over us. And at this point, you could see that it was a round three-dimensional circle it was solid, uh, of course. It had, I don't even know how to explain this thing. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But it was red. It, it, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a light. It wasn't shiny. There was no noise. It was completely quiet. I do remember like, not hearing any birds or cars going by. We heard absolutely dead silence when we saw this thing. It scared us so bad. We started to run. I mean, that was our first instinct, run. So we did. Kimo fell, um, scraped his knees all up, his hands. Actually, I fell too and skinned my hands a little bit. I don't remember Amada falling. But anyway, we got back up and we just, we hauled, excuse my French, ass. We hauled ass. We ran all the way down to where, like, there was another park and tennis courts. Um, we had to turn right at the end of that street where the tennis court was to go home, well, to get to our street, which was also right. It was like a right and then a right. I'm only pointing these things out because I want you to realize I even remember which way I had to turn. I remember the tennis courts. I remember everything. 
By the time we got there, of course, as kids, what do we do? We run up to our friends. We start telling everybody what we saw. They laughed at us. They thought it was funny. I was completely changed by this experience. And so was Amada and Kimo. When I got home, the first person I wanted to tell was my dad. Because my dad, very spiritual man, he believes, you know, he believed in, you know, ghosts and God, and he believed in aliens, other beings on other planets. I was raised in a, a strict Mormon home, and Mormons believe, in essence, that God is an alien. You know, he lives on a planet, you know, it is, that's what Mormons believe. I mean, in a nutshell. They believe it, it's deeper than that, but yeah. So anyway... I tell, I decided to tell my father because I just knew he was going to believe me. Well, what does my dad say? Did it land and Superman get out? My brothers laughed about it. My mom, they, they were like, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. The FAA is right there. It's probably some kind of airplane thingy, jigger. I don't know. So they just blew it off as nothing. And of course, I ended up going the rest of my life never forgetting that experience, knowing exactly what I saw. Well, I mean, I don't know what I saw, but I knew and I know that I saw this thing. I don't know. Did I see a UFO? Did I see a giant weather balloon that could move in a way that I've never seen anything like that on this planet move like that? It could move at a rate of speed, like, so quickly that... It was almost like it would disappear and reappear. It was so strange. Hey, everybody. It's Rick here. And uh, just wanted to share this little story that uh, happened uh, while my wife and I were on vacation. Uh, My wife and I were actually down in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, in the Smoky Mountains for our five-year wedding anniversary. So let me preface this all. Let me just start off by saying that my wife and I do not drink or do drugs. I was not high when this happened. I don't drink at all. I'm completely straight edge. Uh, so I was not drunk at the time. My wife, uh, she has drinks every once in a while, but not, you know, she just takes sips of wine. Um, I don't even think I've ever seen her finish a full glass of wine, but we had nothing to drink, nothing to smoke. We were on nothing. I hadn't even had a candy bar that day. Um, so we get to Gatlinburg, Tennessee and check in with our cabin place at around 6 PM ish. Uh, it takes us about half hour to find our cabin. We ended up in somebody's driveway. I kept calling the guy Cooter because he just sat on the back of his truck and stared at us uh, and gave us no indication that we were actually probably about to be murdered uh, by him and his entire inbred family, but that's neither here nor there. Um, So I'd say around 6.30ish, we found our cabin, uh, which is a beautiful cabin. I forget the name of it now, but it was beautiful on a private road overlooking the Smokies, which Thank you for asking. Our vacation kind of sucked because it rained the entire time. It blew. And we couldn't see anything because Smokies have their name for a reason. They have their reputation, and we couldn't see anything off in the distance. And then, of course, here we are a week afterwards, and it's beautiful and sunny, but that's neither here nor there. Um, So around 7 o'clock, I'd say 7, 7.30, we got everything settled into the house, everything unpacked, everything put away. I would even say it was 8 o'clock at night. And we just kind of chilling around the cabin. So 
we decided that we were going to stock up on groceries because if it's going to be raining all night, we're not going to be wanting to walk around downtown and checking out all the foods and whatnot down in Gatlinburg. Um, so we decided to go to what was formerly Food Lion is now Food City, uh, which is actually, I think it's in, considered in Sevierville or Pigeon Forge area. So it's, it's a distance away. It's about a half hour away, 45 minutes from where our cabin was. Um, it, it took a while to get there. So we begin the long trek out there. We pick up our groceries. And on our way there, we actually have to go through the Smoky Mountains National Reserve, where the, the Smoky, Mountain, Smoky Mountains Park. And now there, at this point, because it was so late after we showered and settled in, and I think we might have even had a little bit of food left in the car that we decided to heat up and eat. It was Mexican from the previous night. Um, I'd say it was closer to about 11, 1130. Yeah, probably about 11, because I think Food Line closed at midnight. Food City closed at midnight. But uh, we decided to, you know, be those assholes that go into a store with an hour to close and shop anyway. So we're driving through, again, Smoky Mountains Park. Pitch black. There's no light. And because I drive like a grandpa, I was probably the last in line. There was absolutely nobody behind us and there was about four or five cars in front of us. It wasn't very busy because, like I said, it was late at night. And we uh, were driving along, kind of minding my own business, and out of my peripheral I see lights. Now, there's nothing out of the ordinary when you're down in Gatlinburg, Tennessee or in Smoky Mountains to see lights through the trees because there are lodges and cabins and stuff that are up in, in the mountains. Um, however, we were actually in the Smoky Mountain Park, and it, they, they weren't lights coming from a cabin. It was blue lights. And here's the other thing. It was... Now, when you're in the National Park, the trees go 50 to 100 feet in the air. You know, they're going up the side of a mountain. So these trees were about 100 feet in the air, 50, 100 feet in the air. And the lights were above the tree line. And I'm talking like directly above the tree line. And they were blue with some orangish reddish on them. And at first I thought maybe it was an airplane tower. Uh, quickly squashed that because we went through that area about two or three more times. And those lights were not in that location. Not a cabin because there were blue and red lights and it was above the tree line. Not a helicopter, because it was 11, 11.30 at night. Why would they be doing helicopter tours that late at night and hovering in one location? This thing was stationary. Um, and also, not a drone. I thought maybe it was like a handheld drone for a second. Um, problem being is because in my eyesight, I saw it through the, 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 uh, through the window, through the windshield. And it was probably about this big in my eyesight, which means if we're judging that it's about 50 to 100 feet away up a tree in front of the tree lines, I would say that this thing was about 20 to 30 feet long. It was pretty damn big. And when I saw it, I said very loudly, what the F is that? Which I think is a reasonable response. I didn't censor myself then like I did now, but I screamed, what the F is that? And my wife actually happened to be staring at it herself and didn't say anything and says, I have no flipping idea. 
Also, she did not censor herself. I, I just censored herself. We were on a bend, so we're coming around the bend, and my wife immediately whips around to try and get a better look at it, and it wasn't there. It was gone. Completely. It was in a triangular shape. It actually looked like it would be the underside of a helicopter. That That's pretty much what it looked like. It looked like it would be the underside of a helicopter, except it wasn't a helicopter, and I believe we had our windows down, and I didn't hear the blah-blah-blah-blah of a helicopter. Um, and you would think it would also be blowing the trees down with how close it was to the tree line. That's the only thing I could figure that would be stationary, other than uh, uh, you know somebody's handheld drone. But again, why would you be out at 11.30 at night in the actual Smoky Mountain Park, and, and who has a drone that, that is that big anyway? It wasn't an airplane. It wasn't an airplane because it was stationary. It did not move while we were looking at it. And we got a good 10 to 15 second look at it because, like I said, I drive like a grandfather. But yeah, it was right above the tree line, gigantic. And, and again, my wife can vouch for me. I wasn't on anything. She saw it. She wasn't on anything. And uh, again, we went through there a couple more times. Not that night because we had to get to Food City and Lord knows food is more important than UFO discoveries. But we went through there that exact same area a couple more times and it was not there at all. And I also saw a, an actual plane tower somewhere else located in, in the park and it had flashing red lights. This was, they weren't blinking at all. They were just blue lights in the shape of a triangle, a long triangle uh, with some orangish red mixed in. It was a crazy sight. She saw it. I saw it in the middle of the Smoky Mountains. I didn't lose any amount of time, so I wasn't abducted or anything like that. And I also looked on the news to see if maybe it was a search helicopter. Maybe somebody got lost. But why would a search helicopter be so close to the road? I mean, we were on the main stretch going through Smoky Mountains. I have no explanation what it is. I'm not going to say it was an alien, but I will say that it was a UFO because I could not identify it. Hey, Ryan. It's Kyle from Oregon. Uh, submitting a story for your witness encounters. You know, this happened to me when I was in fourth grade. I'm 31 now, so it has been a while. But I, you know, this is the first time sharing the story, so I'm a little a little apprehensive, but I kind of thought he'd be the guy to tell the story to. So when I was in the fourth grade, my older brother was in middle school, and his school started about an hour before mine did. So my mom would drop him off, and then we'd go sit in the parking lot until school started. And she, you know, she'd read me books, or most of the I was I was a sucker for the Animorphs back then, so she would read read me the Animorphs, and I'd you know be in, in the fourth grade, I'd take a nap because I hated mornings, and I still do. But hey, that's besides the point. Um, on this particular day, it had to have been later in the year, because I remember not wearing a, a jacket or anything. It had to have been around May or April or so. But we get to the school, and I had the epiphany that, holy crap, I can have this entire playground to myself for the next 45 minutes to an hour. And that being the holy grail of all children, I was like, mother, please let me go play until school starts. 
obliged. So I went to the playground and started doing what I was doing. It was probably tetherball because I was a sucker for tetherball back in the day. So I'm doing my thing. And I don't know what prompted me, but I looked up and there was this rectangular object in the sky, very low. Uh, it was very low. I can't stress that enough. Uh, it was just above the school, maybe about 50 feet or so above the roof line. And at my school, it was shaped like a U, and in the center of that U, it was a little courtyard. It was grass that had to have been, I don't know, a uh, hundred feet deep to, from looking at the edge of the concrete through the grass of the building, and maybe 50 or 60 feet side by side. And while this thing that was flying over the school was probably, it taken up about three quarters of that courtyard. Uh, like I said, it was a while ago, so judgment on size isn't that great, but I remember it being big. Not, and it was moving very slowly. I could, good enough that I could, you know, get a good look at it. And I know that just being, having happened a long time ago, that human memory is very fickle, but I, I, I can promise you that this memory is as fresh as the day it happened. And while I'm watching this thing, I can still remember it had like grace or slats going all the way from the back, bottom to the top. I don't remember seeing the sides or the bottom. Uh, I, well, I did see a little bit of the sides, and I remember they had they had lines going. The, it looked like solid structure going along the sides, front to back. Uh, every every I don't know 20, 20 feet or so. They were spaced out, and there were only like four or five of them. But I remember as I'm watching this thing. Uh, I have never heard the world be so quiet before. No birds, no winds, no motor noise, not a thing. I, I don't know if it was just because I was so incredibly transfixed on what I was staring at, or if maybe that part of my memory is just kind of, you know, it being the mundane part of this event, my memory just kind of dropped off, but I, I can't. I can attest to this, though, that that thing makes not a sound. It still blows me away to just say I have no idea what it was. I can't say for certain what it was, but I can tell you for certain what it wasn't. It wasn't a plane. It wasn't, you know, mercury in retrograde. It wasn't whatever. It was a swamp gas. It wasn't anything that I can, even to this day, logically explain. Uh, it, it was unnerving. Well, it, not at the time. I thought it was just the easiest thing in the world. But now that I think about it, it's, it was almost chilling how quiet everything was. But I, I remember watching this thing for... got a good couple of minutes at least as it passed over the school. And once, once it got over the school, I couldn't see it anymore. So in all of my infinite wisdom... Right across from that courtyard, uh, 
across the pavement was a swing set, and I was like, I'm going to swing to the top of this as high as I can to see if I can see over the school and see it. And I swung as hard as my little baby legs could go, and I never saw it again. Uh, as far as, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't. It was fascinating and terrifying at the same time. And like, I, I'll never, never lose that image for as long as I draw breath. It was amazing. It kickstarted my lifelong love of UFOs. They will be UFO subject. So I guess, yeah, they're kind of the same thing. But, uh, yeah, man, I really, I don't know how it made me feel, honestly. Like, now, it, I don't know. It, I want to say it was aliens because, you know, that's, it's the only thing that I can really, like, think that it could have been. There's nothing, nothing flying that we have now or, or then that looked like that. It had no wings, no tail. It was just amazing. And it's gonna stick with me, like I said, until I draw my last breath. I will see that thing in my head. Every time I hear a story, and it immediately like brings me back to that day of watching this gunmetal gray object float so silently and effortlessly above my school, like I can't, like, I, I'm sorry, this is just like now turning into me rambling, but I'm struggling to find the words, because I've, like I said, I've never shared this story before, so I don't know, I don't know what else to say, other than my mind is still unrepairably blown, like I have no idea, dude, I, anyways, I'm going to wrap this rambling up, sorry for saying words that don't make coherent sentences sometimes, but I, I freaking love the show. The UFO subject kind of dropped off my radar for a little bit, and Somewhere in the Skies has definitely rekindled my my fascination and love for the subject, so thank you again for that, and I will be listening as long as you're making a show. Hey man, thanks for, thanks for taking the time and hearing me out. I really appreciate it. You have a good one, alright? Hey, Ryan, my name is Brandon, and um, I thought I would take this opportunity to share my story about um, two sightings that I've had in my life. Um, I don't share these with just anybody and everybody, typically. Um, the first event happened back in 2003, and I've shared that with maybe a dozen people since then, um, people that I trust and I know believe me, um, and trust what I say. And so anyways, I just got inspired listening to, um, others share their encounters and I thought I would, um, do the same. So like I said, the first of the two sightings that I've had happened back in 2003 in the summer. Um, I was in Northern neck part of Virginia, um, towards the coast. Um, and it's a very agricultural rural area um a lot of woodland out there too um my friend jen and i had been out there visiting a friend a mutual friend and we were 
on our way back to her parents' house in Southern Maryland where we were staying for the night. And we were driving along a two-lane road. Um, it was a very dark night. Um, I emphasize that because it made the encounter that we had um, quite a bit more intense, I believe, because uh, it was like a black canvas out that night. There weren't any street lights around. Um, there was just thick woods on both sides of this two-lane road that we were driving along, and it was kind of a straight, narrow road. And so we're riding along, and I'm in the passenger seat. I look down um, to pick out a, a CD out of a CD book that she had. Uh, this was you know, pre-digital music era, and um, I'm looking at her CDs, and as I'm doing so, I see this very intense blue light come pouring in the windshield. And so I immediately look up and keep in mind this whole thing lasted maybe five seconds. But I remember so vividly every millisecond of it that when I play it out in my head, it feels much longer than that. But you know, this blue light fills the car. I look up and to the left above the tree line, um, I see this bright, brilliantly bright blue light, uh, that's kind of oblong shaped, kind of shaped like a football. The color was like a little bit lighter of a royal blue color. Um, it was all that same color and it was glowing, um, intensely bright. And so in my head, if it had just been me, um, I might have questioned myself. Um, I will point out neither of us were intoxicated in any way, no drugs, no alcohol that night. Uh, we were sober as could be, uh, both of us. And um, I might have questioned, even though I was sober, that I was, my eyes are playing tricks on me or something like that. But the second that it clicks in my head, like I'm thinking in my head, what is this? Jen says that exact thing out loud. She's like, what is that? And that made the hair stand up on my arms because to me that added so much validity in that moment. She's seeing it too. Um, so almost immediately, like a second or two after that, after she says that out loud, it went from this stationary position in the sky. And I'll point out, I had nothing to compare it to in the sky because the sky was so dark out. Um, I couldn't tell if it was close and smaller or if it was far away and larger. There was no sense of scale to apply. But it went from completely stationary to just basically gone in like the snap of a finger. And... I know that it didn't just vanish or turn its lights off or something that it actually quickly jetted away because again, it was so dark out and this object was so bright that my eyes were able to pick up just a split second of a trail. I saw this blue streak, um, take off, which was pretty much parallel with the road we were traveling on. It just shot, straight ahead of the, in the same direction we were going at lightning speed. I can't even begin to fathom how fast. But if it hadn't been for that trail that my eye picked up for just a split second to attest to that, I wouldn't have had any clue what happened to it. Um, 
Now, I can't speak to if it made any sound or not. We did not have the windows down. Uh, we were listening to music, so I can't speak to that portion of it. But what I did witness, both of us, um, we could not explain. Jen got very shook up by it. She was physically shaking. And for our safety, I encouraged her to pull over and let me drive the rest of the way home. And so we did that. We traded seats. Uh, once we got back in the car, Jen had the idea. She said, let's not talk about it for now. Let's wait till we get back to my parents' house and I'll get some colored pencils and some paper and we'll draw out what we saw and compare the two and see if we think we saw the same thing. So we did that. We said maybe five words the rest of the ride home. And then we got back to her parents' house in Southern Maryland and um, she went first. She sat at the kitchen table and drew hers out. I sat in the living room and uh, tried to distract myself and calm myself down by watching a couple of minutes of TV. Uh, once she was done, we traded out and I did the same thing. And then we compared the two and we drew the exact same thing, the exact same shape. We used the same color for it. Um, we drew it in the same position above the tree line to our left. It, it was a mirror copy basically of one another. And we felt like that added another layer of validity to the fact that it was something t tangible. It was something that was truly there in the sky in that moment. And it looked and behaved like nothing we had seen before. Uh, so after that, I had always kind of, since I was younger, been a, a believer. I, I always kind of understood the fact that, you know, this universe is infinite and, who are we to say there is not an abundant amount of life out there, whether it be in our own um, reality, our own universe, whether it's coming from some sort of other dimension? You know, I, I have no clue, but I know that the possibility for it to come from elsewhere in this universe, uh, the fact that life certainly exists elsewhere in the universe um, I went into that experience already believing it's fairly likely, but seeing that really added to that, it, 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 it really reinforced the idea that the things that people claim to see, they're probably, you know, a lot of them are probably telling the truth. Of course, a bunch of them are probably making it up and wanting attention, but, you know, I experienced it too. I became one of those people. And so, that was my first sighting. The second sighting happened 16 years later. It was actually early fall uh, 2019, just last year. And I stopped at a gas station in Roanoke, Virginia, where I live, and ran in the gas station real quick. Uh, I came back out, and it was a beautiful day. Blue skies, no clouds. Um, it was about 515 in the afternoon. Um, so it was too early for stars to be plentiful in the sky, anything like that. But I happened to look up and I was looking around at the beautiful blue sky and I looked to my right of where I was standing and I kind of turned and I saw this round solid white object in the sky. And it was literally the only thing 
in the sky. It was the only thing on this blue um, canvas of a sky that I saw. And so I thought, huh, that's interesting. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what could that be? Could that, my first thought was maybe it was a plane or a drone or something like that, but it made no noise in a similar circumstance to the first encounter. It, there was no sense of scale to apply. It was just a, a blue sky with nothing else around it. Um, so I thought, well, if it's a plane, then I'll stand here and watch it from the same perspective for a couple of minutes. And if it gets larger or smaller, then I can assume it's a plane either coming my direction or going away. But I knew it wasn't traveling left or right. It did not sway in that position for a minute. So I'm watching to see if I do see a change in size. Uh, and then after a couple of minutes, it starts erratically moving around the sky and at varying speeds. It went left, right, up, down, diagonal, um, at slower speeds, at very quick speeds where it's like it just like portal jumped to a different part of the sky. Um, and I was by myself in that moment watching it and just flabbergasted trying to figure out what is that. And it's not making any sound um, as quiet as can be. And then I noticed that there's about a dozen other people in the parking lot looking up at the same thing. And while it's bouncing around the sky and, you know, we're all just standing there kind of, you know, bum fuzzled by what we're seeing. And we all end up kind of congregating together in the middle of the parking lot and watching it together for probably 15 minutes. And, um, I was actually the last to give up on watching it. Um, I was actually the only one that stood there and watched it until it vanished. Um, and I couldn't tell where it went. It just vanished. Um, but everybody stood there for several minutes and we talked. I stood there for at least 15 minutes watching it and could not explain its movements. Um, it did not behave like anything um, that I've ever seen in person or, you know, uh, through video or anything like that. I, I cannot even begin to explain how it was moving in the way that it moved. Um, like I said, it was solid white and I don't know if it was glowing white of its own accord or if it was perhaps reflecting the sun. Um, and that was giving it a white appearance. Um, but again, very erratic, um, aerial vehicles that we've designed at this point in our history cannot and does not move that way. And so um, I did take some video of it, but unfortunately the video is not very compelling because, again, with it being a solid blue sky, I'm moving my phone around to keep up, keep it in the frame, but you're still just seeing blue everywhere it goes. So when you go back and watch the video without being there, it just looks like a, an object that's staying completely still against this blue sky, but it was actually kind of moving all over the place. So... Um, Anyways, yeah, it, like I said, these experiences just reinforced um, my opinion that there's something that out there that we can't explain, um, at least the public is not aware of and able to explain. Um, it doesn't scare me. Um, it excites me. Um, it gets my mind going as to what it could be. Um, and those possibilities, of course, are endless. But...
you know, it's, it's apparent when you experience something like that, like so many of your listeners have, that you can't even begin to explain it, that you don't know how to put it into a perspective that fits your known reality. It's just something, you know, it was as crazy to me as if a, you know, um, a dragon came flying down out of the air and flew overhead. Like it's, it's just something that doesn't fit our reality, what we know of existence. And to me, that's very exciting. Um, and I hope in my lifetime, um, I'll get more answers. We all will than we are now. So anyways, thanks Ryan. Um, I appreciate you fighting the good fight. Uh, I love your podcast. Avid listener. Keep it up, man. Thanks. Hi, Ryan. My name is Vince Busey. I live in Brunswick, Ohio, which is just right outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And we had just moved into a new house and our old house was less than a mile away. And my routine was that I would work my nine-to-five job. And after I'd spend time with the family and eat dinner, I would get ready to go work on the old house uh, to get it ready to sell. One night, I finished up, I'd say about 1 a.m. And on the way home, I entered my development, and I was going west. And I saw something in the sky that I know I had not seen at least in the last few days. It was probably about visually two inches above the tree line. And it was strange enough that I stopped and got out of my car to take a look at it. Now, granted, I was pretty tired. I looked at it and I was going to just shrug it off, but I was about a thousand feet from my driveway. So I drove that, got in my driveway, got out and took another good look at it. And I just knew something wasn't right about it. And I'll give you an idea of what it looked like. First of all, in the night sky, it was slightly larger than my thumb. And I wouldn't say that it was giving off light. I would say that it was illuminated. It wasn't like shining. But the way I would explain it was it looked like the moon would low on the horizon on a hazy, humid, dark night. It was just an eerie, like a vanilla-looking white. So anyways, I stood there and I watched it. And then I thought to myself, you know what? No one is going to believe me about this. So I ran into the house. Now, this was a school night, and it was probably 1.30 a.m. And I woke my daughter and my son up. My daughter, 16 years old at this time. My son was 13 years old. I got them to come outside. And my son, being the skeptic that he is, probably lasted about three minutes taking a look at it. And he said, I'm going inside. But I know that he went inside because he was scared. You could see the fear in his eyes. So he went inside. My daughter and I stayed out in the driveway watched it a couple more minutes and then I realized hey you know what I got binoculars and I knew exactly where they were because I did all the boxing when we moved out of the old house so I came in I got the binoculars and ran back outside and I took the first view out of the binoculars 
and I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I was looking at something that was kind of egg-shaped, not as dramatic as an egg-shaped. It was wider than it was tall. And the best way I can describe it is the bottom of it looked like it was made out of old clad iron, like rivets like you'd see on an old ship or an old submarine with seams. But it just looked old. And from the halfway point up, it looked really modern. And the best way I could describe the upper part is that is if you were looking from underneath up, looking at a bridge like with girders. And I remember vividly seeing what looked like lures, like you'd see on an old Z28 or an old muscle car, you, you see those lures. And then also I remember, and this is going to sound crazy, but the top of it was shaped like a genie's lamp. That's the best way I could describe this thing. I gave the binoculars to my daughter, and she also, she didn't have the words that I had to explain it, but she explained it pretty much the same way that I had said it. So we watched it, I'd say probably for about another five minutes, trading off binoculars. And this thing just was not moving. It was just in the sky, and it was not moving. So I looked at it through the binoculars again, and it scared me to death because something had changed. To me, it looked like it was sitting on top of like a pedestal, like a gray-white pedestal. That's the best way I can explain it. Very rigid edges. So I handed the binoculars to my daughter, and I asked her, tell me what's changed. I didn't want to tell her what I had seen, but I said, tell me what's changed. And she looked at it, and she looked at me, and she said, oh my God, Dad, that's a beam of light coming out of this thing. So we both, at that point, we were freaked out. And she lasted probably about another two, three minutes, and she was scared to death. She ran inside. I, on the other hand, stood out probably for about another two to three minutes with and without the binoculars. And I, too, felt the exact same thing. I felt fear. I felt dread. I felt like I was seeing something that I was not supposed to see. And ironically enough, that's how my daughter sort of explained it. So I came inside. I was exhausted. And I took a shower. And then I went to bed. Once in bed, I realized I could see this thing still. It was I could see it right out my window. And then this is when I noticed this thing actually is moving. And it was moving so slow that the only way I could tell was by the frame of my window. I watched it in comparison, and it was moving so slow like you would see the moon move. If you were sky watching, it was moving horizontally, though. And I watched it for at least another 15 minutes, and then I don't remember anything. I had fallen asleep. In the morning, I decided I was going to make a call to MUFON, and I did that. And it must have been a pretty good story, because within 24 to 48 hours, I had a field rep field investigator at my doorstep and it was really nice 
to have someone to tell my story to. And he did a great job of showing me with his program what was supposed to be in the night sky, what was in the night sky, and what shouldn't be in the night sky. And what I saw that night was not supposed to be there. I did get some pictures of it, but it was with an old flip phone, but it was still enough to see that there was something there. So my story is on MUFON. It does have a case number. This experience has been both amazing and terrifying, but I cannot wait to hopefully see something like this again. Thank you again, Ryan, for letting me tell my story, and I love your show. Have a good night. Bye. Hey there. I don't know the exact date, but I know it was June of 1970. I was sitting in my bedroom listening to the Phillies game, and then my sister comes running in saying, Ken, Ken, there's a flying saucer outside, screaming at the top of her lungs. And I'm like, yeah, right. And I thought she was just fooling around because she knew I was into reading um, UFO books and whatnot. So anyway, I go outside, and I'm like, holy crap. And there was a whole bunch of people from the neighborhood looking at this thing. It must have been about 100 feet high off the ground. It was circular, and it had um, multicolored lights going around the center of it. And I do remember that one of the lights was black. I mean, maybe there wasn't a light there, but it was blacked out. The section where the light should have been was blacked out. And um, I just watched it. Then my father came home, and he's like, what's everyone looking at? I'm like, can't you see it right there? And he's like, holy crap, too. And um, he took out his binoculars and looked at it. And I asked him, well, what does it look like through the binoculars? He says, the same, only bigger. <laughs> and then, well, and then after about, we watched this for about an hour, the lights just went out on the thing. And where it used to be was just blank space in the sky there. And then that was it. And I went inside, and every hour I'm coming out, well, actually, every half hour I'm coming out to see if it came back. But it never did. So I was 18 and in college at University of Colorado at Boulder. So I was in Boulder, Colorado. And if you don't know, Colorado near the Denver area is actually, or just Colorado in general, I think, they have a lot of UFO sightings in Colorado. I wasn't thinking about that, though, at the time. So it was a nighttime thing. I was out bored and no friends this was my first semester of college and i decided to climb the it's ironic because i climbed the astronomy building it was like the side of the building was like it wasn't very tall it was like slanted and they had like bricks going up kind of like a pyramid i don't know how to describe it so i climbed up the side of it and was sitting up there you know doing whatever so i'm looking up at the stars and i see this constellation it's like a square but it's like moving slowly, very slowly. Like, and I'm like, that is weird. So I'm watching it and I'm like, there's no way those are stars. They're not airplanes because they don't move. They're not making noise. It wasn't helicopters. It was just silent, like moving across the sky slowly. So I was like, that's weird. I didn't really think anything of it. And so I was like, that's strange. Anyway, I'm sitting there still, right? After that, I don't remember how long it was going for. Right after that, though, this V formation of lights 
looking like stars, but much lower than the first one. And when I say V formation, it's like, you know when geese are flying south for the winter, wherever <clears throat> wherever they fly, and they fly in that V formation? This is how those stars were aligned. And they flew over fast, like, and low, and no sound flew over quick. And I was like shook. I was like, whoa, what the heck was that? I was like, really shook up about that. And so I was like, oh my God, that was UFOs. That's weird. So I called my dad. I climb up off the tower and I call my dad because he's into conspiracies and UFOs and all that. And I'm telling him about it. And all of a sudden my phone disconnects and I can't call out for like 10 minutes. And eventually he was able to call back and he was scared because it was saying like the f- number you're trying to reach is like out of like service area. I don't know. It was a weird message we never heard before, but I totally believe in UFOs. Now, when I say I believe in UFOs, Colorado has a lot of military installations. So when I say UFO, it could have been it's just an unidentified flying object. It could have been government technology it could have been like top secret technology or it could have been aliens i don't know i'm open to all things i have a very open mind but i've definitely seen them when i moved to new orleans i've seen ufos as well but now here when i saw ufos when i saw the the ufos in colorado they were like like the color of stars so white i guess they just literally look like stars that are moving fast so but when i moved here i'm i've seen ufos like that before too but i've also seen they were red and they will at first i think they're like airplanes but when you watch them they're not moving like airplanes cuz they'll they'll like stop or they will zoom around or they they just don't move like planes you know they'll go up down whatever for a moment in my life i was like obsessed with it like always looking outside always looking in the sky to see if there's ufos that drove me a little bit crazy (laughs) so then i let it go but i've definitely seen ufos multiple times and you know i just i don't understand it or what's going on and i believe that they are there and they are there And I'm like, I see you. I know you are there. But what can I do about it? Nothing. They're real. And I've never had anything happen where, like, they land or I see any aliens. Because that would probably just shake me to my core. And I don't know if I'd survive. You know? And that's all I got to say on that. Uh, hello. Um, my name is Andy. Um, and I wanted to share a, uh... UFO experience I had with uh, two of my friends uh, back in uh, 2003. Um, it was in the Sierra Cascades, uh, Northern California. It was west, northwest of Lake Philbrook, which is, I'd say, 20 miles north, northeast of uh, Sterling City, California. Dirt roads, you know, a lot of logging roads up there. And uh, I want to say it was July, being there's, uh, at that altitude, it's around 7,000 feet. There's usually snow around eight months out of the year. 
and when we were up there, we were, there was no snow. Um, we were in t-shirts. It was warm weather, so it had to have been right at, right at the hot hot point of, of summer. Anyway, uh, I guess I'll get started. So we, uh, like always, uh, you know, we drive up those logging roads. I had an old 1970 Ford pickup uh, sport custom truck. I love that thing. Went everywhere and anywhere we possibly could uh, in the mountains up in this area. So we found plenty of places to camp. Um, and one one place we liked uh, in particular, uh, it was an old, old logging uh, ground. And it was a pretty nice spot. It was like being in a miniature forest. Well, anyway, uh, me and my friend Jason and Ira uh, drove up in my truck, uh, and I get there. And at that time, it was still still daytime when we got there. You know, we just you know hung out for a while, went hiking, did what we usually do, just explored the area, talked about random stuff. Uh, at the time, Ira was a uh, uh, really really delving into Christianity and and. He was really fascinated with revelations in particular at that time. So he, he brought his Bible and he uh, kind of tortured uh, me and Jason a little bit, uh, talking, you know, just reading reading out of revelations and basically saying the world was going to end at any time. And anyway, we just kind of let him do his thing and kind of fun to philosophize about anyway. I don't know what time it was. Son had been down for an hour or two at this point. And, you know, he had a fire already and cooked our cooked our meals, and we were just sitting in the back of the truck. And yeah, I, first thing I remember is hearing it, and it's really, really difficult for me to describe. I cannot make the sound. I can't mimic the sound with my own voice, and I don't know if I could even do it. Really, uh, maybe with a computer. I don't know, but uh. The best way I can describe it is if you can imagine a two-stroke motorcycle idling and then mix that with a dog growling uh, and then submerge both of those sounds in water so they're they're bubbling. So it's like a muffled uh, underwater motorcycle that's idling but growling at the same time. That's what we heard. You're going to have to use your imagination, I guess. Anyway, that, that's the first thing, and, you know, I'm like, what the, and, you know, I look at Jason, I look at Ira, and kind of, like, okay, like, this is a weird sound, and and I, I look up, and it had to have been, at the very least, the very least, a large craft the size of an entire football stadium, not just the field, but the whole entire stadium, just giant giant you know I, w- I would say maybe uh, uh half a mile to a, a mile across almost even uh at the very least a, a full football stadium in size um and it was going really slow it was it went directly directly or almost centered perfectly centered almost uh above my truck and us um Anyway, the second thing I noticed when I when I finally noticed it uh, was the stars were blotted out, like a huge swath of the sky was was blotted out. That was, that was the second thing I noticed after the sound. 
third thing I noticed was the weird light pattern. Um, there was a crescent light pattern in the front, uh, and then a line that went directly down the middle, and then uh, a circular shape of lights in the back. They're all white. Um, I'd say the crescent portion had five white lights. Uh, then there was five or six running down the middle. These are large, large lights. Uh, five or six running down the middle. And then uh, at the back, it was, uh, I don't know, five, five, I think, again, lights that were in a circular pattern. And the silhouette of this uh, craft was, uh, if you were to take, I don't know, three quarters of an egg, so cut off a quarter of an egg, just the end of it, and then put a golf ball up against it. So you have three quarters of an egg running into a golf ball. That was the shape of this thing, except it's the size of a football stadium. And it's making this weird sound, and it's very, very slowly cruising over, directly over us. So we, we, you know, I look up and I look down at my friends and they're all looking up and they're looking at it, obviously. And Ira, his, he just stopped reading. His mouth is just jaw dropped, eyes wide open. He, he didn't talk the whole time, actually. And me and Jason are looking at each other, looking up, looking at it like, like, okay, what is that? You know, what the hell is that? What is that sound? Like... Yeah, we didn't know what the hell we were looking at. <laughs> we could see it, and we could hear it. We all knew each other were seeing and hearing it, but none of us like still like really believed what we were looking at. And after a couple minutes, we, we just didn't talk to each other. We just watched this thing slowly cruise across the skyline it was, we watched it for a good 10 minutes it had to have been at least 10 minutes I mean it was it wasn't going fast and it didn't zip off or you know disappear or anything it just slowly creeped out of our sight over the tree line until we couldn't see it anymore and you know I've had a few of these encounters and the one of the weird things about them is when they happen uh, me and the people I'm with, we don't talk about it the next day, and we don't even talk about it the day after that. Uh, we, we don't talk about it for months. We always end up waiting a year or two before we bring it up again, and then when we do, it's kind of just, like, awkward and weird. So anyway, I'd say a year or two later, I, I tried talking to Ira about it, and he not, he wouldn't do it. He said, I'm not going to talk about this with you. This goes against my belief system. I can't do it. Um, he hit that, that time was very, very full-blown. I want, want to, don't want to say Christian because he was very, very adamant <laughs> about his beliefs. Let's just put it that way. And So anyway, he, he wouldn't talk about it. I have never been able to get him to talk about it. And, now I haven't spoken to him for years, and I don't know what he's up to or anything, but um, uh, Jason, the other guy was there um, back in, uh, I think it was 2011, um, so it was that eight years after uh, the sighting. Um, me and him were roommates, we roommated uh, with each other, moved into a house together, um, 
And one night, you know, I just kind of brought it up, and I was, you know, and we started talking about it and talking about the sound and everything, and then he starts describing what it looked like, and I'm like, wait, that just doesn't sound right. Because he started talking about red lights. I'm thinking, well, I didn't see I only saw white lights. So I asked him, I was like, okay, you draw what you saw, I'll draw what I saw. He described the sound being exactly the same, like the dog growling, a motorcycle underwater. He described the size being exactly the same, just a massive football stadium-sized thing that just creeped over. It's very perplexing. This is, this is probably as mind-boggling, if not more so mind-boggling, than the encounter itself. Okay, what I, what I drew is what I described earlier. The crescent-shaped lights, the egg and the circle, and, you know, white lights. And a total of, you know, maybe 15 to 20 lights. What he describes is a perfect square with, I'd say, two or three dozen bright red smaller lights lining the edges. That's what he saw go over us that night. A massive football stadium-sized square with red lights. I saw a massive football stadium, ovally shaped circular-shaped white light. <laughs> so, uh, that to me... It definitely provided way more questions I have about that whole, all of it, any UFO counter, any paranoia, any supernatural, any of it. I have more questions about that stuff than I do answers. Because it just, I don't know, it wasn't we just saw something fly over us. It's we describe it in two completely different ways, visually anyway. Um, Not as far as size, but as far as shape and... Uh, color goes and it's extremely confusing to me I don't know I don't know I I, I am even though I'm the one saying this and and there are skeptics out there that are probably going to listen to this and you know be like oh man he's full of crap you have to understand something I am the biggest skeptic in this whole thing because I have no idea I do not have a single answer on what happened that night I don't know if it was a figment of our imaginations. We all shared some hallucination somehow. Some plant, I don't know. Some implanted, I don't know. That's what I keep hearing. People are like, oh, you're just sharing hallucinations. And, and that, then the people call it a day. They don't provide any evidence that we're sharing hallucinations. They just say, you're, you're, oh, you're just sharing hallucinations. It's like, well, okay, if that's what's happening, how the hell are people all over the world sharing hallucinations simultaneously at the exact same time in the middle of the damn woods especially how does that happen what's causing that uh, anyway i have a million questions i don't know what we saw how is even possible because nothing man-made that we know of anyway that's uh, there's nothing we can never as far as we know <laughs> as far as we know the general population puts something the size of a football stadium in the sky and have it just you know kind of creep by there's we just now we don't we don't have that technology or we do and only a few people know about it oh i have no idea what we saw that night i don't know if it was real if it was aliens if it was 
a hallucination if it was I don't know but anyway I just figured I'd, I'd share it um, maybe someone around the area uh, around that time saw something similar um, that's about all I can hope for maybe somebody else has had a similar experience somewhere else in the world where them and their friends saw something but they kind of perceive it differently but they're all sure that they saw something but yeah so uh that's that's one of my experiences uh thank you for listening and uh yeah if you want to see this kind of stuff for yourself the only thing i can say is get out in the middle of nowhere as often as possible because all the most amazing things as far as this kind of thing goes uh, i've mostly been out in the middle of nowhere when i saw them and i've had a pretty good view of the sky when it all happened so point being if you're sitting at home watching tv or you know sitting on your cell phone or even if you do go out and you're just you know face down uh, into your tablet you're probably not going to experience anything like this or maybe you will i don't know get outside that's all i know (laughs) so anyway thank you Hey guys, Ryan here. The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is a labor of love every week. And with that comes many different costs to keep the show running. That's where our Patreon campaign comes in. You give what you think the show is worth. There's different rewards available all the time, including shoutouts on the show, early editions of main episodes, bonus episodes and content, and very soon, monthly patron hangouts, where we sit back and chat all things UFOs. So I hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon subscriber today. To learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support and keep looking up. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
I think we have a story that is maybe going to pull us back into the UFO world, a world that we probably both thought we escaped from maybe 20 years ago. So we'll, we'll share the story with Ryan and we'll see what he and his, his listeners think. I'm Jordan Bonaparte. I host a show called The Nighttime Podcast, which covers Canadian crime and mysteries and UFO stories from across Canada. You are my brother, Jay, and tell us a bit about you. Well, I, I live in Ottawa right now and uh, play in a band called Paragon Cause, so we record a bunch of music and all that stuff, and then actually work in the hospital here in Ottawa as well. We both um, had a UFO experience maybe... I guess this was probably 25 years ago in Sydney, Nova Scotia. And I believe I was probably about seven or eight years old. So that would have put it probably late 80s. Is that when you yeah, remember Yeah, that happened? sounds about right. I'm guessing I was 11, 12, that age. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just us. Like the way it went down is... And, and this is one of those things where I'm, I'm sure we both have a different recollection of it. But the way I remember it, it was like a school night. And we were at the top of the street in someone's backyard in the winter sledding. And it was like you and I, as well as all the neighborhood kids. Like, I remember everyone being there. Yeah, there was like me, you, and maybe 10, 12 other kids. Like, I remember a bunch. I remember exactly who I was standing next to, who I was with. And it was the hill that we always went on. We were there every night in the winter sledding in the backyard. Yeah, and the way the yard went is, like, our street was kind of a dead-end street kind of built onto a hill and and when you were sledding you were kind of going from the street down into like the woods that was you know surrounded our dead end street so it was yeah there was like a boundary where the trees started at the bottom of the hill yeah exactly and so again it was it was a school night sun it, it couldn't have been that late because it was all the neighborhood kids that were out but the sun was certainly down it was nighttime it was a dark sky backlight floodlight was on so it was late enough that i remember there was a floodlight yeah illuminating the backyard yeah exactly so when you were down the hill you were like down in the darkness then you would pull your sled up the hill up into the lit backyard is the way i I recall it and exactly the the way i I remember it is i slid down the hill and i was among the younger kids because most of the kids were like a year three or four years older than me most of them were around your age so i remember being down the bottom of the hill looking up at everyone kind of slowly coming down the hill and whatnot sledding and the way i remember it happening was This bizarre sound that almost sounded like just every bit of sound getting sucked out of the sky and out of the world. Like, I remembered, like, a second of split silence followed by the brightest light that I've ever seen. Like, it went from darkness to brighter than daylight instantly. Yeah, so the weird thing is, me and you, I don't think we've talked about this. Never never like we are now, no. No. And so, like, you're telling me that story kind of gave me the chills, because my recollection is I was standing next to my friend Brian, and I rem- it's weird, because it's, like, clear as day. I remember me and Brian were like, all right, let's go down the hill, and we were kids, we're like, let's count to five, and we'll go. So we counted, and we went down the hill, and I remember it was kind of laughing. And to me, what I remember is, again, the trees, the, the woods, the, there's just that sound of the outdoors and then all of a sudden it just stopped like nothing existed there was no sound it wasn't that it was quiet is that sound was gone Mm -hmm. and to me it felt like slow motion like i felt like time stopped and i remember standing up and then again instantaneously within you know milliseconds there was this light that felt like it was literally a 
just a foot above my head that was so bright. But at the same time, I remember thinking that it was incredibly bright, but it wasn't really blinding me. Like I could see the light and it was crazy bright. And I remember this slow motion feeling. I started turning my head to look up at the sky because I wanted to know what it was. And I felt, and I still to this day remember it. And it was like slow motion. And as I looked up, what I remember is just this crazy light. Like I couldn't see anything. And then I remember it just kind of sucked itself into like a ball almost. And then just I seen it just kind of shoot off into the sky, but not like horizontally, like into the sky and then just go away. Mm -hmm. But I could see it like fly off into space, basically. Yeah, I I have the exact same memory. I remember when the light came and I realized like it, all of a sudden it was incredibly bright. I remember kind of shielding my eyes and yeah. I can I almost had this vision burnt into my right. mind of like looking up at the hill, probably looking for my older brother you. And I remember seeing all the kids kind of just standing there, you know, yep. looking at the sky and down at me and I remember like the really hard shadow on the ground. Like every kid yeah. had like you know, like as a photographer, yeah. if you have the flash on, you get a really nasty shadow. I just remember this vision of all the kids with their like sleds in their hand, you know, with a bright light shining on them. And at the same thing as w what you just said, I remember looking up and as I did, I almost describe it as like the light being sucked into like the vacuum of space because it just... Yeah, exactly. It just That's exactly what it was. Yeah, it just got smaller and just went away. And as it went away, the sound of the world came back kind of at the same back. pace. And I don't know about you, but what I remember is silence. But then once it went away, kids started screaming mm -hmm. and crying and everybody ran home to their parents yeah. and to their houses. Yeah, like I, It was great chaos. I should ask dad about it because I, I do remember you and I and Brian and like all the kids just running down the street freaking yep. out and i don't remember if we used the word ufo or like what we thought had happened but i do remember yeah. like running home and like running upset and telling dad what had happened the other thing i remember though is i remember when it happened i i was looking towards the woods and there was actually i could see i remember seeing like a line where the it wasn't like a light that was diffusing and it was like a like a like a like a a bulb outside. I remember seeing a distinct line where the light stopped hmm. and there was darkness beyond it. It was very, very weird. Like it was light that whatever it was, it wasn't normal light. Like it was not normal. It wasn't a spotlight from a helicopter. Like it was abnormal. And I'm sure you'd agree. Like, yeah, even felt, it even felt different. Yeah. Like the, it felt different. Yeah. The way I remember it is it, it did feel like the light was kind of, um, in an area around us, like there was spots like beyond where we were that were still dark. Yeah. But it yeah. wasn't a spotlight, like you said. For, for one, where we live, there would never be a helicopter above a shining light oh, to yeah. the kids. But never. It, but it was also a bigger area. Like it would have lit up probably the area of like one or two, you know, uh, two um, yards that a house would be sitting on. Yeah, it, exactly. And I think the other important thing is like behind this house, the woods behind our house is like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometers. There's nothing else behind it. It's not like there's a little bit of forest and then another street. Like it is the forest until you hit water, basically. Yeah, the ocean. <laughs> Eventually yeah. you would get to Exactly. But, and I, I actually brought this up with this guy, Brian, and he won't talk about it. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. He won't talk about this. 
Um, I have no idea why. It's, hmm. it's bizarre. Um, it's super bizarre. But it's a it's a weird thing because, you know, you, you experience that. And I think you probably agree, like, when people ask me if UFO exists, I'm like, yeah, I see, like, there's no, I'm not crazy. I'm a normal person. It, it is what it is. It's not, there's no other explanation. Like, this is, it was there. And it kind of changes your, your perspective on life and your perspective in general because, it's weird when you know, but no one believes you. But at the same time, you're like, I know. <laughs> Trust <Yeah>. me. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. Well, we'll we'll give this story to Ryan, and you never know. Maybe we'll excite him, and he'll investigate it, and we can figure mm-hmm. out what the hell happened. Definitely. All right, Jamie. Well, thanks for uh, for chatting this out with me, and hopefully Ryan can look into it, and maybe this will even inspire the next Paragon oh. Cause song. Like, you guys should do something about this. It, uh, it already has. I think we may, right? We just, you know, we're releasing a new album this week on, the, on next Friday, actually, on the 17th. And, um, you know, if it wasn't for that UFO, I wouldn't have the talent to play the guitar because I'm pretty sure they installed that in me. <laughs> so I owe them a lot of money. There you go. Well, this is perfect, Jay. Thanks for talking it out. Thank you. Hello. My name is Dennis McKenzie. I'm 52 years old and live in St. Louis, Missouri. I was born here but grew up in western Michigan. Uh, My family and I have been living in St. Louis since about 2008. In 2014, um, I experienced a sighting. I didn't share it with anyone, no reason. I just uh, didn't report it. It was strange but uneventful. I mentioned it to my wife, but uh, yeah, I didn't file it with the folks that track these things for whatever reason. Uh, But recently, I've been enjoying Ryan's and uh, some other paranormal and UFO podcasts and listening to accounts of people who've seen the the triangle-shaped lights. Um, It got me thinking and led me to search for any reports of incidents matching what I had seen back around 2013 or 2014. So I got on the Google machine and uh, started poking around and lo and behold I found a report filed on June 12, 2014 in St. Peter's, Missouri. Now I'm, uh, I was in O'Fallon, Missouri at the time which is essentially the same place. O'Fallon and St. Peter's are just one giant suburb. It's one massive neighborhood with about 80,000 people. I read the report and it matched exactly what I saw kind of freaked me out. It was, uh, I think, a high school kid, um, and he had seen it and was talking about it in school and had, uh, a teacher had seen it too. And the area where they were kind of matched, it it synced to what I had seen. So uh, after reading the report, I decided that I'd go on to uh, Ryan's website and summarize my sighting. He asked me to share the story, so here goes. I'm a manufacturing engineer, and I've worked in factories my entire career. Oftentimes, I get called into plants after normal business hours, which is why I was driving down Highway K about 2 in the morning. So the date I narrowed down based on reading that other report, and that was filed uh, June 12, 2014. So I was called into the plant for some issue that I don't remember specifically what it was. But I was driving on Highway K in O'Fallon, Missouri. Highway K is an extremely busy road. The, the entirety of this road is well lit 
full of major shopping centers, grocery stores, big box home improvement, gas stations. Nothing about this is rural. It's a very densely, or very densely populated, very active place. Uh, 2.30 in the morning, I was pretty much the only one on this section of it. Um, you know, most things are closed. It was a pleasant evening. Um, I remember some clouds in the sky. And I was heading south on K and had just passed uh, a road called Laura Hill. And I was, be- so I was between Laura Hill and Mexico. Um, and I noticed in the sky to my right a triangle of white lights moving steadily through the air. You know, my first thought <clears throat> that it was a formation of planes. Uh, I didn't see an outline of any craft, just bright white lights forming uh, an equilateral triangle. There were no, no lights at the base, just the sides. And it was moving due west from east to west across K uh, in the direction, it was like arrowhead maybe. Um, I heard absolutely nothing. Completely silence. Um, I had, uh, my radio was off, my windows were down. Um, I couldn't hear a thing. I looked for blinking lights to indicate um, aircraft wingtips or taillights. Um, I didn't see anything that an identifiable aircraft would have had on it. The pace of this, whatever this was, was pretty steady, uh, moving about as fast as a traffic helicopter, so not real fast, not hovering. and it didn't appear to be that high because there were some clouds and the lights were very clear. Um, it was moving east to west. I leaned over the steering wheel as I drove kind of under it as it went over K. Um, and I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, I'm seeing a UFO. Huh. Um, so after it had moved west and was directly to my left, I still heard absolutely nothing. Not too long after it crossed over K, these things disappeared upward into the sky. And it wasn't a smooth turn or drift into the clouds. These things rocketed upward. I mean, it was immediate. And the, the thing that, that really struck me is that I, I heard nothing. In this area, because of Boeing... Um, you know, we have a lot of F-18 traffic. We see F-15s. By the airport, these guys do touch and goes where they touch the runway and just explode damn near vertically into the sky. And when a, when a military aircraft is doing that, it is, you hear it in your bones. This was, seemed to be as quick as that, but there was absolutely no sound. Um, the report that was filed by this other individual said that uh, they kind of noted a humming or throbbing sensation. I didn't hear even that, but I was also driving in a pickup truck, so who knows. Um, My thoughts on what it is or what it was, I think it'd be really neat if it were aliens. I'd love that. I'm desperately hoping to actually have a video of contact or see something like that but I think it was I think it was us I think it's ours um, whatever it is I the tech has got to be 
crazy, like uh, noise-canceling technology or even more badass would be a gravity polarizer. How cool would that be? Um, but I don't know that it was alien. I, you know, who knows? So many people have seen these triangle lights. That's what's got me thinking that it's something that uh, we're playing with. Um, you know, I don't think that we are the only ones in the universe, but like Fermi said, you know, where is everybody? Anyway, the sighting intrigued me, didn't really frighten me. Um, it was just very interesting. I think about it all the time, and every time I, I listen to a podcast or hear somebody or see videos of the Phoenix Lights, it's, you know, I'm really, what the hell was that? That's my story. My name is Melissa, and back on October 3rd of 1995, I had what I can only describe as an unidentified uh, flying object incident. Um, I remember it to be specifically October 3rd of 1995 because it was the day that I was moving from Florida to Kansas after my freshman year of college. And it was my mother, my stepfather, and I in a U-Haul van that I had rented. The reason I know it was October 3rd is because I remember on our way back listening and hearing the O.J. Simpson verdict. So I was uh, able to determine that it was October 3rd of 1995. Anyway, we were driving uh, one straight shot, which is about 25 hours. And we were halfway through roughly about 14 hour into the drive, 14th hour into the drive. And we were east of St. Louis. I'm going to say we were at least an hour, maybe a little bit more outside of St. Louis, Missouri. It was a very, very dark night. Um, there wasn't a lot of traffic because it was a weekday night in October, not a lot of summer travelers or anything of that sort. My stepfather was driving the U-Haul. My mother was in the middle, and I was on the passenger side looking out the window. And I was just kind of looking out the window, um, not really necessarily paying to anything in, in particular. And these lights in the sky kind of caught my eye. And at first, you know, you kind of readjust your eyes a little bit and try to figure out exactly what you're seeing. But I saw distinctly like three. And the reason they caught my eye is they weren't moving. Um, but then one would move really slowly and then another one would move. It was almost like this kind of choreographed movement that was going on between the three. That I can't remember how many miles we would have been. We were far enough away where I watched this for a while. And I'm watching it. And another thing that struck me is they were perfectly spaced apart. They were perfectly spaced apart. The lighting on it was kind of sporadic. Um, it was it was like, you know, blinking lights, but, but not like a pulsating light that you normally see on a jet. Um, and they were like I said, perfectly spaced apart, but they would sometimes move at the exact same speed together. Um, or sometimes one would move and the other one would move. And then once in a while, one would just dim completely and be gone. And then I looked and it would be in a different location. 
So I'm watching this for a while and I'm sitting there in my head trying to decide, like, do I tell my stepfather what I'm seeing? Because this is really odd. And I remember being really nervous to tell him because he's one of those, you know, very skeptical people. He also is someone that has his pilot's license and he was uh, in the Air Force Reserves. So I was like, oh, he's probably going to just kind of dismiss this. But I kept watching it. But as I watched it also, it was like more lights appeared. Then I noticed there was one across the interstate on the other side of us. And so at this point, it's like, it's almost like they're all around. And I don't recall how many there were. Um, but as I said, they were perfectly spaced apart. And the way they were moving, it was almost like there was a communication going on between them. Um, and they they moved, you know, as I would describe today, very similar to a drone. I feel that it, you know, they were they'd be stopped for for a while, and then one would move. And so, certainly back in 1995, there was nothing that existed, to my knowledge at least, um, that could do this. So. I don't remember how long I was watching this, several minutes, if not maybe a little bit more. And um, I finally told my stepfather, I said, do you see these lights? And I think he was noticing them too, and he didn't want to say anything. And he's like, yeah, I've been watching this. And I said, what is this? And he said, I honestly can't tell you. I don't know what this is. And, um, you know, he was driving, so he had to kind of pay attention to the road. You know, he, we just didn't really say a lot because we were more just in awe and trying to comprehend what we were witnessing. And I think my mother was a little more freaked out by it. Um, I don't... I We definitely didn't hear any noise, but the reason we didn't hear any noise also is we were driving, so... The, the sound of our vehicle was loud enough to where I wouldn't know if there was any noise associated with, with what we saw. Um, but we would, you know, we got like, what I say, closer and closer. We saw them for such a long period of time. It was almost like they were moving with us. I'm not saying they were following us or anything. I'm just saying it was like they were kind of moving along the same pattern or the same um, distance along with us because it felt like we watched this for probably 20 minutes or so. And then as we kind of got outside and closer to St. Louis and you started to see kind of the city lights or at least the, you know, the, 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 the reflection in the sky, they, they just disappeared. And that was it. Um, we never really talked about it. We just, just kind of gave each other a look and just said, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I just have no idea what that is. And we're used to very dark nights and skies in Kansas. And, you know, we've seen a lot of meteor showers and things of that sort. We just couldn't put a placement to what it was at all. So that was kind of my my one very, vi very vivid incident with, with an unidentified flying object. And the reason, again, is there was multiple Um how many there ultimately were was probably upwards of five. Like I said, they, they seem to have made like a formation of some sort. They were very slow. Um, they weren't moving at any high rate of speed, but then they would disappear, or at least the lights would be off, and it was like they were gone. And then all of a sudden I'd see it, what I think was the same one, appear in another location. So there was kind of that going on too. So 
how did it make me feel as far as the whole experience? You know, I mean, looking back on it, um, you know, I, 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 I honestly don't know what I saw. I will say this is that I have told several people about it, my husband and uh, a couple family members and some people, friends of mine that are UFO enthusiasts. But a couple years ago, I decided to tell my nephew, who is a Air Force pilot, um, has been an Air Force pilot for 15 plus years and is a very high ranking security. He's been to lots of training, lots of very high end training that, that I probably can't even speak to. So he probably has seen a few things, um, though he won't admit it, but I will say that I told him about this incident and I said, here's what I saw, you know, what do you make of this? And he said to me that he had absolutely no doubt that what I saw was real. Um, he didn't doubt it. And he said that, the one thing to keep in mind, he said, is um, that he would say that there are aircrafts that have been created by our military that far exceeds our imagination. Um, so sometimes what maybe I was seeing in 1995 is maybe what's available today, i.e. drones. Um, that's kind of how he explained it. Now, of course, he didn't see it. He doesn't know it. But he did say that there's there is aircraft that exists that would blow our minds away. So that was kind of interesting to me. And it was also interesting to me that he didn't dismiss, completely dismiss or deny what I said. In fact, if anything, he validated it. So that's kind of reassuring. And um, yeah, that's my story. Thank you. I've always been into aviation and astronomy, especially aviation. But in either case, I've always been looking up at the sky and observing things. And I feel very privileged to have seen something as crazy as this. I also haven't seen any reports of sightings similar to mine over the past 15 years. So whatever it was that I saw, it's not happening anymore. So let me start by giving you the setting. It was late 90s. I'm pretty sure it was 1999, but it could have been early 2000 as well. So there were no smartphones easily available. I didn't have anything in my pocket to film with. Like the nearest camera was probably 15 minutes away. I didn't even know if there was tape for it or not. So I could not record it. All I have is my memory. This also happened in a populated area, which prompted me to think that other people must have seen it, but there was no one around me at the time. It was my grandmother's backyard, and everybody was busy. So, pretty much, if you want to make the case that I'm crazy, there's some evidence for you. It was 11 a.m., and everybody in my family was getting ready to go out on a family lunch. I was just hanging out in my grandmother's backyard, looking at the sky, which is pretty normal, maybe expecting the cargo 727 that usually went by at that time, when I suddenly noticed this weird black triangle. Now, it was getting kind of cloudy. Uh, there was still good visibility, but you know, you could tell that later on that day, probably there was gonna be some rain. So there was a layer of stratus clouds uh, that was forming pretty rapidly. Uh, but this thing was well above that, and sometimes, you know, a cloud would go by, and when the cloud went by, I noticed it was still there, so just hovering, not moving, not making any sounds. Uh, I couldn't even tell what the texture was like. It was so black. It was just completely black. Uh, no lights, no details, nothing like that. Now, at that time, drones were not very common, and I definitely knew it was not a kite, uh, especially up at that altitude, and not moving at all despite all the wind. 
So the first thing that came to my mind was maybe a Skunk Works aircraft, some kind of top secret American Air Force project or whatever. Uh, I thought of the F-117 and also the B-2, which were both black triangles. Uh, but this triangle looked kind of smaller than those two aircraft. And as far as I'm concerned, those two airplanes cannot hover. They can just fly in a straight line or, you know, conventional flight like normal airplanes. Uh, so no hovering. So I thought, hey, maybe Skunk Works is up to something new. I better go check it out. It's pretty cool. So naturally, I tried to observe it for as long as I could, but it was just that. It was just a black triangle not moving, making no sounds, uh, unlike other reports of black triangles, which usually accelerate or have lights or, you know, do something. This one was just, just there. I actually yelled out to my aunt, who was taking a shower at the time. She told me it was probably a kite, but obviously she wasn't observing it. And uh, I thought I was going to get to see it go away or accelerate or do something, but actually it became so cloudy that I just couldn't see it anymore. You know, the, the layer of clouds became really dense and really thick, became kind of an overcast. So I couldn't see it anymore. I don't know when it disappeared. Uh, like I said, I have not heard or read any reports, uh, especially near where I live, of anything similar to this over the past 15 years. Like I said, I've always been fascinated with aviation and astronomy and the atmosphere and all those things. I don't really buy into conspiracy theories, and I didn't think for one second that it was an alien attack or an alien appearance or whatever. If it had been an alien attack, I would have probably just gone out, uh, hit my chest, and been like, bring it on, which would probably have been my last words. Uh, I feel, like I said, really privileged to have seen something like this. I saw a UFO. So who knows what this thing was, but it all started back when I was, I think I was 12, 12 years old, like sixth grade, and um, I was having a sleepover with my best friend. No, it wasn't because my best friend had moved away. I don't remember who I was with. It was just like a friend or my sister, but we just, it was like one summer night and we decided to go sleep on the trampoline. And I will never forget this, like seriously. So where I grew up, I grew up really close to an Air Force base. So like our, my little town is kind of surrounded by hills and then to the east of it are really huge mountain range and also there's a canyon right there. And so it is a really unique place where I grew up. It's really beautiful. And actually the town I grew up in has a really weird history with a lot of people seeing um, the Sasquatch, also known as Bigfoot, which obviously I don't believe in, but when I was a little kid, I totally believed in it because I had my friends whose grandparents said they'd seen the Sasquatch and all that, and yeah. So I was obsessed with Bigfoot when I was little, but I mean, that's a whole nother story. But this story was, we were sleeping on the trampoline. I had a huge backyard and tons of trees, like when it would, like when a wind would come through, or the breeze would come through, you could hear the wind and the leaves um, rustling in the trees. And I was staring at the night sky, my friend fell asleep, and I was still awake, just like staring up and like, just you could see so many stars, so like where I lived, so many, it was amazing. And you could see satellites going by and shooting stars. And I had been awake for quite a while, just thinking and staring at the sky. And that whole time I was watching the night sky, the hill. So I was laying down and 
behind me was east and the other way was west and kind of to like the west south part of the sky really low into the sky there's this big bright star the whole time that it was like a planet or a star i don't know but it was huge and i throughout the night i crossed it many times looking at the sky you know looking at it the whole time it was there for at least an hour it had not moved this big bright star planet i'm not sure and then out of nowhere, like this was the freakiest thing ever. Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, that star planet just slowly started moving up, just higher. Like, what the hell? This thing started moving. And it was holding still, shining bright, just like any other star, the whole night. And it starts moving up towards higher into the sky because it was one of the stars that were a little bit lower not like directly above and i remember just like my heart literally just like sank to my stomach i was just frozen just staring at it like watching it slowly just go up into the sky and as it got higher up it started getting smaller and smaller dimmer and dimmer until it finally just got so high up it disappeared and I remember just thinking, what the hell was that? It wasn't a plane. It wasn't, what was it? It was the freakiest thing and it was just not there anymore. That big bright star that was there, it was not there anymore. It disappeared. I just watched it move up into the sky. It was the creepiest and weirdest thing. And I remember like the next day telling my whole family about it, my friends about it. And like everyone just thinks I'm crazy. Like. I'll never forget that because I was not crazy. I knew exactly what I saw. So whether it was aliens or it was from the Air Force Base, some kind of new aircraft that they were testing. But the weird part is, is that it had been in that same spot for a very long time, just hovering. So if it was an aircraft, was it just hovering there? It just does not make any sense. And to this day, I still don't know what it was. I'll never know. But it's very weird and mysterious. And yeah, that was my, my story of seeing an unidentified object. Bye. Hello, my name is Miguel Rodriguez. I'm a native New Yorker. I was born and raised in the Bronx. I currently live in South Florida. I work for the Broward County School Board. I wanted to share two sightings that I had in the Bronx both as a child and as an adult. My first initial sighting took place in 1989. I was 12 years old. The building that I lived in from my bedroom, I could see the New York City skyline and all of Queens. Directly in front of me was the Hudson River and the Whitestone Bridge. On this particular night, I saw what appeared to be a luminescent orb over the bridge. This orb was pulsating a brilliant light. It looked like a little mini moon. It was rocking back and forth in the sky, right over the Whitestone Bridge, like a boat in water, effortlessly. What I observed was that this orb, this UFO, wanted to be seen. As a child, I was amazed. I didn't know what to make of it. I've never heard of UFOs or anything of that sort prior to that. So I try to make sense of what I was seeing and 
my description of that was a little mini moon that floated like a boat on water. Things got more interesting as I observed this object, which the experience in total may have lasted anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes. That's how long it was there. Two jets were scrambled to pursue this object. They came out of Queens. And at this point, I feel like I'm in a movie. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was excited. I was scared. I asked my brother to come take a look at it. He was terrified. He ran back to his bunk bed and got under the covers. Me, on the other hand, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And I was... You might as well have given me popcorn because my eyes were glued uh, to what I was seeing. So the jets pursued this object. The object vanished and the jets returned to wherever they came from in Queens. This object reappeared. And when it reappeared, it really started uh, going heavy with the light show. It started pulsating even more. The light was even more brilliant. And then things started getting even more interesting. So from the middle of the Whitestone Bridge to my building, I'd have to say, I'm just taking a wild guess here, but uh, I'd say anywhere between five to 10 miles. What started happening is that this object from that point in the bridge to my building, to my neighborhood, started flying over in what appeared to be milliseconds I have to say that in under a minute possibly even under 30 seconds this object flew from the bridge to my neighborhood at least seven times eight times back and forth effortlessly like nothing it was unreal it was as fast as if you were to point a a light uh, pointer a laser pointer on a chalkboard and move it around. That's how fast it was. When it got to my neighborhood, which was very fast, I noticed that it wasn't an orb. It was, in fact, a craft, a disc-shaped craft, uh, metallic in nature, and that the orb that I thought it was was just... uh, an energy of sorts around the craft, like an aura, circular. And that was my first sighting. I couldn't take my eyes off of the sky after that. After that, I became very adamant in observing and watching the sky. The second sighting took place in 2002. I worked as a security guard for a beer distribution company. This was also in the Bronx, and my shift was from 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. I worked overnight, and I noticed that in 2002, mid-October, late October, actually, October 25th, 26th, I noticed uh, what appeared to be like a like Roman sparklers, like the sparks that come off a Roman sparkler or uh, someone working with metal, a, a machinist working with metal, the, uh, the sparks that come off of that. I started noticing that 
over this building that was in front of the facility. The building is six stories tall, fairly small building. And I was in my post in the back of uh, the facility. It was very cold and I didn't really care to go investigate whatever that was any further. In fact, it was so cold that for two weeks, it just didn't dawn on me to investigate whatever that was. Although I was watching it and uh, checking it out. On November 10th, 2002, I finally gave in. I was My curiosity got the best of me. I, I asked myself, what is this? What am I looking at? Because it was just, you know, I, I just couldn't make it out. So I walked toward the front of the facility to the first post. And uh, that facility, is a, it's as big as a football field. So I walked to the front of it. And out of these sparks that I saw over the building, a triangular craft appeared out of nowhere, out of those sparks. And it was big. It was silent. If I didn't see it come out of those sparks, I wouldn't have known it was there in the first place. It made no noise whatsoever. There was one light on it that I could tell that was red. Other than that, it was completely blended in with the night and made no noise. I walked backwards with this triangular craft over me, uh, which, by the way, was just over six stories above me. It was fairly close. I'm pretty sure that if I wanted to, I could throw something at the object. But I walked backwards the entire time with this object over me. And it was so unreal that I couldn't, I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even, I just moved with it backwards until it went over the back of the facility, which is uh, obscured by rocks and, you know, a big rocky wall that over that goes into the Cross Bronx Expressway. And that was in 2002. So I wrestled with that sighting because I didn't know who to talk to about it. So I, I really wrestled with that information and what I saw I've never reported a UFO or anything of that sort until 2005 when I, st I first started using the internet and AOL. I did my research. I wanted to file my first UFO report and I did so with somebody that I felt was very credible and that person was Brian Vike from HBCCUFO.com. I filled out the report he called me, he vetted me, and according to Brian Vike, my story checked out, and he wanted me to talk with Jeff Rents and be interviewed by Jeff Rents and be on his radio show. And I did. And after that interview, which is uh, on Jeff, the Jeff Rents program, which is a nationally syndicated radio show, uh, the floodgates were open. Uh, people started contacting me in regards to what I saw. And from that day on, I've been involved in the information community, the UFO community, whatever you want to call it. And to this day, 
I still have sightings. I have pictures. I have video, uh, particularly here in South Florida. And that's my story. I hope that uh, people in New York share their stories more because to my understanding, uh, having a sighting out there is not unusual, but we don't hear about those much, especially in the cities, in the, in the five boroughs, you know. Um, but that's my story. Thank you. I have been putting off this story for such a very long time because it creeps me out. I've only like really told this story to like my family members and like some co-workers. So for today's video, I'm going to be talking about my encounters with extraterrestrials and and UFOs really. Um, I, I start getting so scared talking about these kind of things and I'm also home alone which doesn't help. So to start things off, I'm actually going to be talking about one of my first earliest encounters with UFOs. So this story begins with me and one of my friends. So me and Chase were actually playing in this playground. And in these apartments that I used to live in, they had a playground in a field that was across the apartments. For me at the time, this field was huge. So I don't know how it is now because I haven't been there for so long. Me and my friend Chase were playing on the playground. The sun was starting to set already. Uh, we had like a good 30 to 45 minutes maybe left of daylight. I don't remember why, but we decided, oh, like, let's go play out in the field, uh, which is strange because there was nothing in the field. We were just kind of walking around the field. I think we were just, you know, just talking. I had the sudden urge to actually look up, and right as I looked up, I noticed something in the sky. It looked like a big rock. It had two dots on each side of the, of the thing, of the UFO. It had like a rough texture all around it. It didn't have any wings and it was just there almost right above us. There was nothing attached to it or a part of it that would make it, you know, fly. Me and Chase, we really didn't know what we were looking at. I pointed to it and I asked Chase, Chase, do you see that? And Chase was like, yeah, I do see that. What is that? You know, like we were both just like, oh, what is it? And we looked at it for a good few minutes and it was still there just floating. It wasn't too close to us, but it was still really high up in the sky, but we could still see it perfectly. But we just made our way back to the playground away from it really because we just didn't know what it was and we were just kind of playing on the play structure and there is this part in the play structure where you can kind of climb up and it's like almost like a roofing that you could climb up on and kind of just look out into the field and the ufo was still there it didn't look like it was moving around or anything it was just still up in the sky no movement whatsoever. This is gonna sound really silly, but earlier that week, me and my family actually went to KFC, and in the kids' meals at that time, they actually came with, like, binoculars for kids. I told my friend Chase that. I was like, hey, Chase, like, I have these new binoculars in my house. I could go bring them, and I we can come back outside, and we can see this thing up close. And my friend Chase was like, yeah, okay, you know, let's do it. And so, what was really cool, too, is Chase actually lived right right next to me in the other apartment. So we walked home and by this time too, it was actually starting to get dark. Like it was about 10 minutes before it actually got like dark out. Once we walked up to our doors, Chase's mom told me, oh, Chase can't play outside anymore. It's getting dark. But I was still determined 
to get my binoculars and go back outside to the park to go look at whatever this thing was. I ran into my room and I was trying to look everywhere. I remember I had like a gray giant tub full of toys and I was just kind of digging my way through it, taking out every toy to see if I could find my binoculars and I couldn't find them. My sister opened the door and I heard the rattling of the binoculars so I actually hung them up on the doorknob. I told my sister, I was like, oh there's something in the sky and it's floating there and I want to see it with my new binoculars. You know, I grabbed my binoculars, I opened the door and then I ran down the stairs and I went back to the park by myself and I went up to the rooftop of the play structure and I pulled out my binoculars and it was gone. And it was a clear night. There was nothing else in the sky. But anyways, so yeah, didn't see anything in the sky. You know, I had my little KFC binoculars on my neck and I just was like, well, you know what? Oh well. So I came back home. I was telling my sisters, I have three sisters by the way, I was telling my sisters, I was like, you guys, like me and my friend Chase saw the craziest thing today. And I told them exactly how I saw it. I told them, I was like, oh my god, it was like a big rock and it had like four gray dots on it. And my sisters were like, oh my god, you know, like they were trying to scare me because they were teenagers at this point. I was just a little bean at this time. My sisters were like, you just saw a UFO. You and your friend just saw a UFO and you know, the, it was aliens and all of this stuff. And they were just trying to freak me out. That's when I realized, I was like, oh my god, I saw a UFO. They're like, oh, they're gonna track you down and you know, they're gonna abduct you and they're gonna take you in your sleep. But I was just bawling my eyes out. It was so traumatizing for me because they're like, yeah, like, why did you, why did you go back outside? They might have known that you were onto them and that's why they left. So yeah, that was one of the first encounters I have with, you know, seeing a UFO and all that stuff. Every once in a while when you do walk somewhere, you know, just make sure you look up. My name is Sean and I live just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. This is my story about a UFO that I witnessed several years ago. I don't remember exactly how long ago it was, but it was probably around seven or eight years ago. The time of day was between four and five o'clock in the afternoon. The sky was clear with no clouds, so visibility was excellent. Sometime between four and five in the afternoon, I walked outside of my house to just go check my mail. And I stepped out onto my front porch, and as I shut the door behind me, something told me that I needed to look up. And when I did, I saw a long, white, cigar-shaped object that was flying low in the sky, pretty much directly in front of me. And it was flying in a north-to-south direction. I estimate that it was anywhere between 500 to 1,000 feet in the air, and it was approximately 100 feet in length, so this was a rather large object in my opinion. It had no wings, no tail, no visible means of propulsion, and I saw no windows. And it also didn't make a sound at all. I stood there for what seemed like, I don't know, several minutes, just watching it slowly move from the north to the south in the sky. And I I was frozen in place. After all, I was just going out to check my mail. You know, I wasn't expecting to see something like a UFO. And like I said, it seemed like I was standing there watching it for what seemed like several minutes. Time just seemed to slow down. But in reality, it probably wasn't more than about 30 to 60 seconds before I came to my senses and realized that 
what I was seeing wasn't a conventional aircraft. I watched it for just a few more seconds, trying to determine exactly what this thing was that I was seeing. And and I suddenly realized that, man, I needed to get a picture of whatever this thing is. And so I ran back inside to grab my cell phone. And when I was doing that, I called for my wife at the same time. And I said, you've got to come out here and see this. I think it's a UFO. So I ran back onto the porch with my wife behind me and the object was gone. It had vanished. So I ran into the front yard and I began just scanning the skies. First, looking in the direction that this thing had been heading in and then just scanning the skies, looking around in all 360 degrees. And this thing was gone. Nowhere to be found. Now, it was moving so slow when I ran back inside to grab my phone and there was no way it could have simply just disappeared in the five whole seconds it took me to get my phone. My phone was on the coffee table in the living room, so it literally took me just a few seconds to grab it. Whatever it was had to accelerate at an incredible rate of speed to disappear that fast. There was no noise, no sonic boom from something like, you know, breaking the sound barrier, nothing. It was completely gone, vanished. The whole event couldn't have lasted more than about five minutes. Now, my wife must have thought that I was crazy, even though she said she believed me. And I have to admit, I felt a little crazy myself. But I know that I saw something. I just don't know what exactly the something that I saw was. Now, here's a couple of things about me that you need to know. First off, I'm a former government employee, and because of my job, I held a top-secret clearance. I worked for the Army, and I was around a lot of aircraft. It was mostly rotary wing, but... I've spent some time around some fixed-wing aircraft as well. I didn't work on the aircraft, nor did I fly them. My job was something completely different, but I was around them just about every day that I was at work. Now, that's about all that I can say about what I did because of my the nature of my job. Um, I know what kind of of rotary rotary wing aircraft it is with without even seeing it i've been around them so much that i i know what kind of aircraft it is that what type it is just by the sound of it so i know how to tell the difference between a fixed wing and a rotary wing i know the sounds they make and i definitely know what they look like and what i saw didn't look like anything like either one of those two types of aircraft. Now, second, I live about 20 minutes away from the Nashville International Airport. My home is almost directly in line with an approach zone and a departure zone, so I've got a lot of airplanes that fly over my home. I mean, a lot. Every day, in fact. Now, they don't fly too low because I live in a, in a rather large subdivision, Uh, But I would estimate that the lowest that they fly 
would be around a thousand feet. However high or low it is, it's, it's, it's low enough that you can see the black dots where the windows are supposed to be and you can see the wings of the plane, you can see the tail, you can see the engines and you can definitely hear the engines as well. I see all sizes of passenger planes pretty much every day so I know what they look like and I know what they sound like. The point I'm trying to make is I've been around a lot of aircraft of all types for a lot of years and what I saw wasn't a conventional aircraft. Whatever it was, was flying a little lower than what these passenger planes fly in their approach and departure zones. And it was flying way too slow for one of those big planes to fly. I, I would think that if a passenger plane was flying at that slow of a rate of speed, that it would literally just fall right out of the sky. What I saw was definitely as big as a passenger plane and it was white in color but that's where the similarities begin and end it was shaped like a cigar and it was initially flying way too slow for a passenger plane to safely fly it had no windows that i could see it had no wings or tail and it made no sound at all now even though i didn't have eyes on it whenever it disappeared it did it it did it so fast that any human that would have been in that object, in that UFO or whatever it was, anybody that would have been in that thing would have been crushed by the G-force generated by the acceleration. So that's it. That's my story. It's not some amazing UFO story. I didn't get abducted. I don't have any missing time. I don't suffer from any physical or psychological effects from it or anything like that. I simply saw something that I can't explain. I don't know what it was, but I know what it wasn't. It wasn't a conventional aircraft. That I know for a fact. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my story. I'd love to know what you or any of your listeners think about it. Thank you. My name is Montserrat Panetta. Friends call me Monsi, and I've had what appears to be a lifelong relationship with unidentified flying objects. I was born in Chile in 1961. My father had received a prestigious Rockefeller scholarship, which allowed my family to move to the States while he attended university. Upon receiving his master's and Ph.D., a doctorate in veterinary medicine, we returned back home to the Los Rios region of Valdivia, where my family owned a ranch. On the evening of my first event, my extended family had gathered for a reunion celebrating our return. After dinner that evening, some of us gathered outside, and because there was no electricity, the remote landscape was pitch black. Suddenly, a light was noticed through the tree line near the river's edge, traveling and weaving while simultaneously our two dogs began barking quite loudly and taking off toward it. I heard an adult in the group wonder out loud who might be coming to visit. They assumed it was a car, but oddly that wouldn't make sense as there was only one road in and it was nowhere near the river. Unexpectedly, a bright light appeared overhead, our group mesmerized looking up. No one said a word, no sound, just the stillness of the night and a sense of something huge looming overhead. 
It slowly took off, its bright light shining across hundreds of acres. I stood by the barn along with other children, watching in awe as this event unfolded. My siblings and parents would each later recall being in different parts of the homestead that night. Interestingly, no one could figure out who the other mysterious children were. We heard on the car radio as we headed home that some fishermen a few miles away had encountered an unexplained object the same night. Our family never discussed it until years later, after other events unfolded. Many strange synchronicities would occur over the years, especially after we came back to the States in the late 60s. Fast forward to the early morning of January 2007. After 20-plus successful years in corporate, I now had the privilege of being a stay-at-home mom. And that particular January morning, like clockwork, I walked my two children down the long driveway in the dark to await the school bus. As they chatted among themselves looking in the opposite direction, I was mesmerized by a sphere now weaving and floating towards us. It was softly glowing inside. It was about the size of a basketball, and it was traveling only a few feet above the road toward me and below the tree line. It was quiet, and oddly I was calm, except for the rush of adrenaline I now sensed flowing through my veins. It felt conscious, and yet I was not afraid. In fact, my feelings were one of recognition of it. Yet this had never happened before. It began to dematerialize as soon as the school bus strolled in. I watched it cloak, traveling over the bus toward the front pasture as my kids were boarding, and it floated over my neighbor Don's roof, and it disappeared. Back inside the house I went, and well rested from the previous night's sleep, I usually would have 20 or more chores to do, and yet, perhaps in shock, I felt suddenly the urge to go lie down for a nap. I awoke four hours later to a sound unlike anything I had ever heard. The glass windows throughout the house were rattling loudly to the vibration of what sounded like a military helicopter above my roof. I bolted up, disoriented, and ran downstairs to look, but now there was complete silence. Several hours later, kids back from school and were hanging out in the den when suddenly that helicopter sound began again. My windows are rattling, and by this point, I'm pissed off. I'm wondering why some idiot in a helicopter is flying so close to my roof. I felt like my windows were going to break, and so I run outside. But again, nothing was there, and the sound had stopped. I'm confused and really trying hard to process what is happening. Later that evening, out to dinner with my husband, I share these odd events as the kids are playing nearby. And on our return home, while everyone else is upstairs getting ready for bed, I'm in the kitchen prepping our lunches. And as I stand by the island facing a different pasture that is behind my pool fence, a light of some kind is now traveling slowly along the fence line. And it's just a few feet off the ground. It's very luminous, and I watch it in between the fence crack. I step outside quietly, and I go in to investigate. Again, the sound of a helicopter above, and yet it's pitch dark and nothing else. I don't understand what's going on. Up until that night, I had never been interested in, nor had I pursued anything related to the study of UFOs. I did reach out to MUFON on this one occasion after the event of 2007, and I was informed that three other cases within a few miles of my home had actually been reported on the same day. Now, while traveling in Peru a couple years later, in fact in 2009, 
I had sensed their presence. I began to shoot video, but it would be several years later when trying to transfer that video format to another device that I discovered that I had a UFO in my shot. The picture is proof of UFO being real, and it is pinned on my at Mystic Monsi Twitter account. I have always felt guided and protected, and even more so now, as I on any given day or night do sense their presence, and I do see their craft often. It is always benevolent for me. It has brought me deeper and a more profound connection to God, and I'm really feeling blessed any time I see them in our skies. Hello, everyone. Stephen Lloyd here. I've been invited to talk about my UFO experience back in the early 90s. I was eight, uh, 19 or 20 at the time, and I was attending BAC College in Grand City, Illinois. Before all this happened, I, w- I was a skeptic. I'd always been a skeptic. I'd, I'd never believed in such things, even though I was a, I'm a huge fan of the original three Star Wars movies and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But I didn't believe. Like a, millions of other people out there who have a hard time believing uh, UFOs exist, other planets with life forms on them exist, but I am a firm believer sitting here today and tell you that they do exist. But in the early 90s, I was sitting at an intersection waiting to, for the light to change, and I saw something moving out of the corner of my eye. And I thought it was a blimp or a, uh, or a balloon of some sort, a hot air balloon. And as it got closer, I realized it was moving way too quick to be either one of those. And then it came into view so clear at one point that I realized that uh, I'd never seen anything like it before in my life. It was a silver ball about the size, uh, probably about the size of a uh, tractor trailer maybe. It passed over the intersection and made no noise whatsoever when it crossed. People started honking their horns, letting other people know what was going on, but I already knew what was going on, and it was exciting. My heart was beating so fast that I could hardly accept what was going on because I'd been a skeptic the whole time, my whole life up until that point. And as it silently made its way over the intersection heading toward Granite City, Illinois, about four miles down the road, I'd say probably about maybe a minute or minute and a half after it crossed over, there were uh, three, maybe four fighter jets following it. Of course, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't see these jets until they were up, right up on us. And man, they were loud passing over. And I'm in this silver ball and these jets chasing it. They were probably about thirty feet above. The lights, they were they were flying pretty damn low, and uh, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know, I had a guy roll down his window next to me, and he's like, "Did you see that shit?" And we were both laughing and, and just carrying on like it was the best thing in the world, you know. And I don't know if the guy across from me believed in them before before this, but I know I didn't, and. Uh, the light changed back to red. Of course, most of us missed 
you know, a chance to go, but we just could not believe what we had seen. When I got over to the college, I got in class, I started telling all, all you know, all my classmates, you're not going to believe what I just saw. And, uh, and of course, they didn't believe me. I wouldn't have believed me either. You know, I thought it was kind of funny that uh, at one time I would have been them, you know, not believing someone. But uh, we're not alone in this galaxy. We're not. We're definitely not alone. You know, the world, the the the, the galaxy. We cannot be the only ones. You know, having a life. There's got to be other worlds out there that we have not even come close to to uh, seeing. You know, there's just no way. Um, of course, I told my parents when I got home, and uh, at the time I was still living in, living there with them, and they didn't believe me either. My little brother thought he got a kick out of it. He was a little younger than me. Um, I just knew there was going to be something on the news about it. There had to be. It was, you know, there had to be something aired about the sighting. But after a week, nothing. There was no reports about it or nothing else. And I was too young to uh, to think about calling Scott Air Force Base, which is based out past uh, probably about 40, 40 miles out past Fairview Heights, Illinois. I didn't call them, you know, I guess, you know, thinking about it now, they probably would have lied and said that I I was crazy, there was nothing out there. Of course, there had to have been something out there to have their jets out there, the Air Force chasing it. It was just a, a memorable experience that I will never forget. It changed my whole outlook on everything. It's one of those things that you, that you dwell on. You don't talk too much about it, you know, but uh, because people think you're crazy. Of course, people think you're crazy have never seen anything, not yet, but uh, in their life. But it was memorable. It was exciting. It was an adrenaline rush. And I'm glad I was I was there to, uh, to see it all go down. I just thought it was just absolutely amazing and it'll change your life it'll change your whole outlook on, on on what you think you know and i've always said this too human beings have been on this planet for millions of years and you can't tell me that in the last 120 years we've come up we've come up with what we've come up with today it's like uh why didn't they come out with this stuff millions of years ago? Planes, automobiles, things like that. Something's behind it. There was some intelligence that got to somebody and, and started teaching them, you know. And um, it's just weird that uh, we've come as far as we have and what we have today. Computers, cars, airplanes, computers where, you know, about the size size of your thumbnail, even smaller where did all the technology come from? That's that's something to think about. Did it come from outer space? Could be. But that is my story about my first UFO encounter. And maybe one of these days I'll have another one. Who knows? It's July 18th, 2020. 
about 11 o'clock at night, my wife and I came out to take some pictures of Comet Neowise before it was gone. We're sitting in the backyard, facing north towards the comet. We have a few acres here. There's a 20-acre farm field behind our house um, that's surrounded by a ridgeline of trees. And we're sitting in chairs. We had just got done taking pictures. And I see off to my left, which is the west, a bright light. I thought it was like a little blue, uh, blue beam, but I credit that to being the reflection off my glasses, just the way it was. I don't know if there was an actual beam or not. But anyways, I look off to my left, and I'm like, why is that bright light? I see this light that's shining through the trees as it's moving, kind of you know, the way sunlight does with uh, leaves and stuff. But uh, so I get up out of my chair, and I'm, I walk north a little ways, and I'm watching this light as it's just coming. I don't know how else to say it, but it's coming, flying towards us. Well, it's south of us actually, but it's still, it's coming along the tree line or the, in the sky. And I think maybe five, 10 seconds went by and I'm like, oh crap, grab the camera, film this. So I went and got my camera and I'm starting to film it. And it's just going over, not making a sound. It's not doing anything remarkable it's just going I'm like oh okay well that's uh different so i filmed it it went out of sight because we were lost in the trees off to the east of us and put the camera down i pull out my uh, phone because i'm like i'm gonna check flight radar it's an app you can get it shows you all the location of any uh, aircraft in the sky around you gives you their altitude speed heading whatnot and I'm curious what kind of, what kind of aircraft was that and uh, there's no aircraft in our area according to that app nothing and in, I know in the video the light looks purplish but it was a low light camera uh, uh, psionics aurora is the type of camera it's like a digital night vision type it's uh, a poor man's night vision because I only paid like 300 bucks for it maybe a little more and uh but to the naked eye it looked like a pure beautiful white light just intense white light with maybe a tinge of blue to it well okay um a good analogy is a welder's arc um it looked like when you look over at somebody that's welding it was it looked like that just bright white with a little bit of blue so i go inside the house after that I'm like Asked my wife, did you see it? She's like, no. She never got up to look. She now regrets that. <laughs> she wishes, wishes she would have. But uh, I go in the house and I look at the clock and it's 11.33. So I upload it from the camera to my computer and I watch it a couple of times. I'm like, man, that is really interesting. I know it wasn't the ISS. I know it wasn't a Chinese lantern because Chinese lantern, you can always... You see the fire at the bottom of it. You, you can see the uh, light gradient, the intensity of the light's different. It's all at the bottom, even though the whole lantern's lit up. Uh, if it was a drone, I'm an avid drone pilot myself. I'd like to see that person set up because one, I didn't hear it, and I can hear mine at 400 feet. And two, the battery system or battery setup, the weight that would require to be that intense of a light, I would have heard that the props on that drone because it would have had to have some serious batteries and weight to be able to be that bright 
Um, I'm not saying it's aliens. I'm saying I don't know what it was. That's all I'm saying. I eventually got a hold of Columbus Approach out of Columbus, the air traffic control tower, and asked them if they had any radar returns on an aircraft that flew over a house at that time. Uh, the guy was asked, wondering why I'm asking that question. I didn't really want to say, hey, I saw a bright ball of light fly over my house. I was just saying an aircraft. Eventually, I had to tell him it was a bright ball of light, and I'm sure he thought, oh, great, I get all these weirdos on a Monday. I described what it was. He didn't really sound interested until I said I had it on video. He asked for a copy of the video. I sent him a copy of the video. And uh, he asked for, a, then I got an email asking for a detailed report on it. Sent that to him. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving things out here. I'm, I'm trying not to. Didn't hear back from him for a couple days. I emailed him again. And he asked for my mailing address or home address. And that made me a little nervous because I like, I like my privacy. I really don't want people coming and knock on my door. Um, so, but I gave it to him because I figured, screw it, you know, what the hell. So I gave it to him. He said he was going to send me a letter he never has. I did follow a freedom of information request for the radar returns out of Columbus between the hours of 10.45 p.m and 11, 11.30 p.m. of that night. We'll see where it goes. Um, as far as how it made me feel, I felt really calm. And I don't know, it felt like I was meant to see it. I know it sounds stupid. I don't get it. It was just, I felt like I was meant to see that at that point in time. For some reason and why I don't know it was like a, a very I don't want to say personal experience because damn anyone look up at sky could have seen that thing but I don't know how to describe it it just felt different it felt good and whatever it was it was beautiful Oh, I saw my second UFO on Thursday. Do you want to hear about that? <laughs> okay, back up. Second? Welcome to Nooks and Crannies. Maddie here. I'm joined by my speculative and inquisitive co-host, Evan. I, I think I wasn't present for the last two episodes, but I'm very happy to be back with you, Maddie. Uh, t- talk to me about these UFOs you're seeing. How are you, are you feeling okay? What's going on here? Well, yeah, okay, so this is my second one, so I'll, I'll tell you the most recent one, and then we'll, we'll do the original one, the OG uh, alien sighting. So, I, it was Thursday, uh, about 4 o'clock in the morning, I was, like, just, uh, you know, drinking my coffee, taking my medicine, getting ready for my paper route, right? Just be like, oh, God, I hate my life. That's prime alien hours. Yeah, well, that's what, you, you know, it's like with the witching hour, right? Between 3 and 4. So, I look off to, like, say, like, a 2 o'clock position, like, on a clock, And I see a band of, like, six to seven lights. It was an odd number. um, In a vertical kind of um, orientation. And the streak was slightly curved, like, like if the butt end of the C was pointing to the right, I guess. Uh, Just a little bit. And there was a smoky trail going off uh, the back of it. And as I was looking at it, 
it would turn, say, like 10 degrees to the left and then turn like 10 degrees to the right and kind of do a little bit of a um, around its center kind of like swivel and very kind of slowly but too fast for like conventional aircraft. And I at that point, at that point, I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, I'm just going to stare at this and take it all in. Right. At that point, I'm like, oh, no. Because I was drinking my morning coffee at four in the morning. I'm like, oh no, I had to take a shit. <laughs> and I had to run inside because honestly, man, if I didn't like clench, it was coming out. Like I, I almost <laughs> like crapped my pants just from the coffee and like being almost 40. <laughs> oh, you don't have to describe the sensation. I know it well. well oh, I think we've all been there. So I come rushing back from the bathroom, like, please still be there. Cause it was moving slow enough. Then there wasn't enough, any houses kind of obstructing its, its path. And I come out and look where it should be maybe like three inches to the right and it's just gone hmm yeah. what do you think about that well it, it's got me wondering do you think lights on a ufo are they a used for navigation b used to identify like whatever things they need to see or c is it just the byproduct because it, you'd think if alien crafts came over they wouldn't need lights for like navigatory purposes they'd probably have better stuff going on now so what's the, what's the lights what are they doing with these lights on well maybe it's d they just want to be noticed oh oh it's a peacocking type thing yeah exactly like that's what i would like to believe because you know i'm like quite quite the believer so yeah i saw that and it, it was like the other thing that i was thinking like I live on Vancouver Island, so there's a Canadian Forces base nearby and a U.S. Forces base, like, across the channel of water there. Uh, but, I mean, I've seen their, like, really kind of, like, borderline classified helicopters going by, and they're loud as shit. This thing was dead silence. And it was moving quickly. Like, it was rather large. I would say, like, if I was looking at it, it was... Um, inch and a half two inches sort of from top to bottom um but it seemed like closer but maybe also further away and it was spooky man and there was like a a contrail uh, uh behind it as well so like i don't know if that's just like an atmospheric thing um i've seen meteors and, th and things um you know up in the okanagan what have you uh it, it wasn't that and and they the band of lights was like seven and it was in a in a line and it looked like kind of a c well, I mean, it would be the year for that, you know, if uh, if we're about to find out some horrifying, shocking details about the, the cosmic scale of things, uh, <laughs> this would be the year we find that out. So, uh, that's your most recent sighting, but you said your second sighting, so let's, let's hear about the first one. This is news to me. <laughs> yeah, I keep this a little bit quiet, but um, not as quiet as I keep the fact that I have ESP. You know that? <laughs> uh, all right, so... So the first one was like 10 years ago, right? I was off camping in a cabin in the woods, believe it or not, in Boston Bar uh, with some buddies. And, um, you know, like it was late at night. It was probably like 2.30, um, crystal clear sky. Uh, for whatever reason, me and my buddy uh, Johnny were just um, lying on like the logging road that like kind of abates the, the kind of cabins uh, there in Boston Bar and just looking at the stars as you do late night camping. 
And, um, you know, I, I had been drinking, but not excessively. It was uh, a bunch of my Muslim friends, so, like, I don't go nuts when I camp with them. Um, smoking weed, but, like, I smoke it medicinally, so that, if anything, it just makes me more clear-headed. Uh, believe me, folks. Um, and so I wasn't, like, hammered or anything and, like, the world spinning or anything like this. And I'm just lying there with Johnny. We're like, wow, this star's crazy, man. This is awesome. And uh, you're seeing some shooting stars and stuff like this. And from, like, the right corner of our eye, um, we see this dot that is moving pretty quickly um, from one edge of the horizon all the way over. It stops at the tree that is blocking our view. No shit, Evan. It goes up to the left down and then just continues off to the left like it was like that's what i'm thinking like they want to be seen and um we were just like chatting and then as soon as i noticed it i just went quiet and he went quiet and we without saying anything to each other eyes were locked on this thing and it went by and i looked at him I'm like bro did you see that and he's like yeah man i'm like that wasn't no like shooting star right it was like a circle that was much like more diameter than a pinhole it'd be like almost like if you went halfway down on the tip of a pencil like about that big right (laughs) um and it uh yeah did that move around the tree and and i'm like i've never seen anything do that it's not a satellite either i've seen satellites and they just go in a single trajectory across your field of vision they don't make a fucking upwards left hand and then a downwards turn and then another left and go around a tree just so they can be seen right and as we're chatting about this we hear behind us like that not a bear bro a fucking cougar like you do not typically hear cougars and then it goes and it comes like tumbling down this hill because there's like a bit of a like a slope behind us uh forested thank god and it comes like barrel assing down this hill we're like cougar and we book it into the cabin lock the door like throw the chair under the handle and everything there's like four of our buddies out around the campfire <laughs> we're like oh shit guys guys come in come in come in it's a cougar <laughs> and uh and so just like on thursday when i almost shit myself and uh here we almost got eaten by a cougar so it's weird like when i view ufos it's like a moment before extreme danger <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that the extent of what exists happens to exist within our sensory perceptive uh, uh, fields. So when you see stuff like that, who the hell knows, you know? I am uh, I am no uh, rational skeptic in terms of these types of, types of things. I just, I want to believe, and I believe. <laughs> well, I certainly got that belief reinforced on Thursday. Now, this is the kicker. This is the real kicker. Um, out of nowhere, this guy, Ryan Sprague, who's like a UFO guy, he's kind of like Rob from Our Strange Skies, um, but he has like TV shows and YouTube channels, really popular and all this sort of stuff. Um, he sends me a direct message and I'm like, Ryan Sprague, I know that name. And he's like, hey, I, I saw your comment on Rob's post, uh, which was like eight months ago right i commented like hey i've seen a ufo like you want me to come out and tell the story rob and he he just reached out that day at like 7 a.m and i saw the ufo at 4 a.m out of nowhere whoa so i'm going to clip this up and send it over to ryan for sure oh there's there's some bizarre serendipity going on there (laughs) i think so it's uh It's a little creepy, but it's also, like, because of my ESP, I'm like, well, I know they're there, so it's just kind of fun that I got to see another one. Like, I I didn't think that would happen. I thought I would just get to see one. 
So here's to many more. It's Allie from Jersey. Um, Messaged you a couple days ago. I think I'm ready to share my encounter. So this happened maybe about eight, nine years ago. Um, So I had a friend over who was a ex-co-worker. And um, he was really close with my aunt. My aunt lives literally like two streets down from me. So when he stopped by to visit, I... You know, asked him, like, hey, you want to go visit my aunt? Say what's up. He was down for it. So we walked down the street to my aunt's house. It was probably, like, spring fallish um, in the evening because the sky kind of had that pretty cotton candy, pinky, purpley, bluish kind of look. Like, the sun was kind of setting a little bit. So for whatever reason, we were standing in the middle of the street talking instead of, like, in my aunt's yard or on the sidewalk. Um... So anyway, we're standing in the middle of the street and towards the end of our conversation, we're getting ready to say our goodbyes and we all just happened to look up into the left of where we were standing and there were these three like white circular glowing spheres. They almost looked like when the moon is full, how it has that glow. There was three of them in a triangular shape just kind of off in the distance and at first we were kind of like the hell is that like it was just it was it just looked weird and they were bright enough to where up against the sky they stood out like they stood out pretty well so we're just standing there for a while trying to figure out what it is they weren't moving or anything and my first thought was like oh weather balloons but they just didn't something was just off they just didn't look like weather balloons So as we're standing there trying to figure out what it was, one of them, it was almost like they had a string hanging from the bottom and they were like tethered to the ground because they were just like kind of just stuck, like just stuck in place. And one by one, it was like someone just cut the string and they just started to release into the air. And we're kind of just standing there like, the hell is that? And as they're like floating up into the sky, like they're, they were staying like same distance apart. Like they weren't like bobbing or anything. They just shot straight up, but slow enough to where we were like, the hell is going on? And as they were going up into the sky, we kind of looked further back into the sky and we noticed there were probably like, 20 more of these fears that we just didn't notice the first time because the three like you kind of couldn't tell how far they were because first glance they look kind of close but as we were kind of focusing in on them they were like they were kind of far out there so when we seen all these other spheres that were like glowing like all these little moons just kind of shooting up into the sky like I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it but there were like 20 other ones and they all just like when the first three kind of released and started to shoot up the other ones just followed after it and we were just kind of stuck um I don't remember there being any kind of sound and we were kind of close to a busy road so you can typically hear cars and horns and all of that but 
we didn't hear anything. We just heard each other. And it was like just dead silence all around us. And we were just standing there looking at these globes, these glowing globes just shoot up into the sky. And it was the weirdest, craziest, warmest kind of feeling I don't know. It was just, it was just bizarre. So from listening to your podcast and listening to other encounters or stories that you've told or people that you've had on your podcast, I truly think it was something from another world. And it was like those three, those three globes were like kind of, it felt like they were kind of just there watching us, just like keeping the scenery. And then when we kind of looked up and noticed them and tried to like, piece together what they were they were like oh shit gotta go and just kind of released up into the sky um if it wasn't for all of those other ones and there were so many if it wasn't for all of those other ones I probably just would have chalked it up to some weird shit in Jersey like who knows but because there were so many other ones we kind of just stood there and was like what the fuck and just gave each other that awkward stare and was like you know what I think it's time to go. And we just kind of, my aunt went back to her house. Me and my friend walked up the street. He jumped in his car and left. And we just never spoke about it since. But from listening to your wonderful podcast, it's kind of brought that moment back up. And I've really, really been thinking about what it could possibly be. So I'm not sure what it was. It feels like and seems like something unworldly. Um, I would love to hear what you think. So, yeah, thank you for the podcast. I love it. And you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Hi, my name is Troy Peasley. I'm 43 years old. I'm a security officer and I work in Toowoomba, Queensland, Australia. I'd like to share with you guys a story that happened to me a very long time ago. I was uh, 12 years old. Um, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. Uh, when I was younger, my mother would take myself and my little brother on holidays to see my cousins, and they lived in Redcliffe. Now, Redcliffe is uh, north of Brisbane, and uh, we'd go there whenever we had the chance. Usually it'd be on, like, school holidays, and... Uh, there's a whole heap of um, cousins around Redcliffe. This specific time, we were up seeing my cousins in Redcliffe, and um, I don't know about you guys, but every time I got with my cousins, we would run amok, as kids do. Uh, we were very active kids. I don't know if that's just a nice way of saying that we were little delinquents, but I don't think we were. Anyway, this one particular night... My mother was, um, you know, she'd get together with all my aunties and they would uh, play cards and whatnot, have a few drinks, while all of us kids would basically run amok. Now, I think it was around 10 o'clock at night. It may have been my idea, I'm not sure. My cousins were a couple of years younger than me, so it probably was my idea. But I wanted to go exploring. Now, Redcliffe where they lived was right probably a five or five to seven minute walk to the Redcliffe beach 
which is where we spent most of our time when we were visiting my cousins. So it was about 10 o'clock at night. My aunties and mum were busy. So I thought, okay, let's go for a little wander. And we, you know, we were pretty mischievous. And, uh, you know, we were, we were causing havoc. We were throwing stones and just being little rascals. Um, so, yeah. But we finally got to the beach. And uh, anyone who knows Redcliffe Beach, it's a beautiful stretch of uh, beach. It was 10 o'clock at night. It was clear weather. It was a beautiful uh, spring spring weather. I guess it would have been about 27 degrees. I don't hold me to that, but it was a warm night. I remember that. And as we were walking, uh, one of my cousins, there was about four of us all up on this particular night, and uh, my cousin, Sean, looked up and he said, oh, look, a shooting star. And, you know, we'd seen hundreds of shooting stars. But anyway, we all looked up and as we were watching the shooting star, now it come down just like a shooting star would. And so we were watching it, but all of a sudden this, what we thought at the time was a shooting star, it changed direction and it come towards us and it started to slow down. And it looked like a like a yellow yellow object, but I know this doesn't sort of make sense. But it, it you could tell that it was like a metallic object. I know that sounds whatever, but I just remember it. You could tell that it was like had a metallic base to it. It was very bright. It uh, was mostly like a yellowish color, or even a goldish color. It was um, sort of like a like a ball, like a like a bright ballish colour, a uh, ball object with a with goldish yellow colour to it. Now, as it started slow, it actually stopped, and it started to rotate in a circular motion, like it started to go around in circles. Okay, and then it stopped again, and it went on. The only way I can describe it is it went on its side. It shifted its axis, if that makes sense. It, it went on its side, and then in a blink of an eye, it shot up on an angle, but the fastest thing you could imagine, like turning off a light switch, it was that quick, and it was gone. And it did leave like a... I don't know whether it was because of the speed or whether it was an actual um some type of fuel or whether it was that quick that it left like a like a reflection or a light behind it <sighs> but um thinking back now and talking to my cousin like we're in our 40s and um our story has never changed and um i remember that night we were that excited like we were excited but a little uh i don't know i, I wouldn't call it scared but but um, weirded out, I guess, would be a, something I would describe. Like, we were weirded out. Like, you know, what the hell was that sort of a thing? But we were that excited and, I don't know, weirded out that we ran home to tell our parents and we burst through the door and we didn't even think that, hey, we snuck out. So, so we burst through the door and told our aunties and my mother... And 
the only thing that they were concerned about at the time was um, us sneaking out. So we were uh, punished and sent to bed. But the next day, my auntie, one of my aunties, wanted to know what we saw and we described what we saw and told her about it. And for days, I remember her going through newspapers and, and news reports, seeing if anything had, had been uh, reported and there, there was nothing. Now, many years on, every time I get with my cousins, that's the first thing we talk about is what we saw that night. And I can tell you now that I have researched uh, UFOs ever since that, that moment. And um, I can tell you it, wasn't a, it definitely wasn't a uh, meteorite. It wasn't a comet. It wasn't a weather balloon. It wasn't a plane. It wasn't a jet. It wasn't Venus. It was something that I have never seen again. And uh, it was definitely a, a UFO. Uh, one of my cousins is now in the um, Air Force. And uh, I, as you can imagine, I ask a lot of questions but uh yeah he doesn't say too much he but he um keeps that sort of uh what he saw to himself as, as you know you can imagine but um yeah my other cousin that we know what we saw that night and it was definitely um well it was ufo so thank you for listening to me and um thank you for letting me share my story My name is Alex, and I live in Staten Island, New York. This happens like a year ago. I was coming home from work. It was like uh, 5, 6 p.m. And as I was walking to the back door, something shiny caught my eye in the sky that looked like a shape of a disc. And it looked like the sun was reflecting right through it because it was so, so shiny that looked like a fireball. But it wasn't moving. It was just static, never moved from that position. And it didn't make no sound at all. This thing was like there, just static, like for several minutes. I was uh, so in shock that um, to see this that uh, I couldn't even uh, take out my phone. That would be the first reaction to start recording. Uh, but it's just you know I was so in shock that that I couldn't I couldn't do it I couldn't move. And um, the first thing uh, that came in my mind was uh, to tell my wife. As soon as I turned around and I opened the door to tell her, uh, when I looked back, that thing was gone. It just disappeared. Didn't make no sound. No nothing. I didn't hear anything. And as I told my wife about what I seen, she didn't want to believe me. And... Um, Funny thing that um, after my experience, uh, the next day or two, she experienced it too while she was playing outside with my two kids. 
Um, she said that the weird thing is that um, they try to record a video with her cell phone. You know, and this thing, this UFO or whatever it is, they couldn't record it with any cell phone at the house. Um, they try to get, um, they trying to get their nephews outside because the, the that thing, the UFO, it lasted for several minutes, and she had the chance to go back inside and and tell her nephews to to come outside and they were able to see it too and as soon as they tried to record it with her with their cell phone they couldn't they couldn't get a they couldn't get nothing on camera uh, that's that's the weirdest thing that they all got they, they, all, they were all in shock they were they were pointing at it with their cell phones, but they couldn't get no image, no video, no nothing. And until this day, we don't know what we saw. We come to a conclusion that this must be some really high technology from somewhere else. Because um, again, we never seen anything like this before. Hi, my name's uh, Daniel Custer. Most people call me Dan. Um, I'm just recording a uh, recording about my UFO sighting that I had back in 1993. Um, it was also witnessed by myself and my parents. Um, it occurred in a little town, approximately 65 kilometres or about 40 miles southwest of Sydney, Australia. Um, I have previously reported it to MUFON. Um, it was investigated actually by the National Director for MUFON Australia in New Zealand, who just by chance happened to have grown up in the same little town that I grew up in, um, just on the outskirts of Sydney. And um, he actually had a UFO sighting there himself in the 70s. Um, my sighting was in 1993. Um, it occurred on, on the 6th of April 1993. Um, it was so 27 and a half years ago. And even though it was a long time ago, I, I did write down um, the events of the sighting not long after, just so I would have a, a record of it for myself because it was an extraordinary event. And I know how time fades memory, so I wanted to keep a record of what exactly occurred that night. Um, it's basically the same report that I filed with MUFON years later and the one I am sharing with you now. So uh, it occurred that approximately just after 9pm or around 9pm on the 6th of April 1993, um, I was sitting in the lounge room of my parents' house watching TV. Uh, my parents were sitting in the back room, the back living room watching TV in that room, so they were sitting in another room to, to me. 
little bizarre in that I'm, I was sitting there watching TV wide awake one minute so this was probably at about maybe I don't know five to nine or something that night and um, and from one second to the next I basically just started feeling this overwhelming sense of tiredness and fatigue like I was about to drop asleep then and there and um, so that was unusual as I was wide awake one second earlier and I just had this overwhelming feeling of tiredness that I needed to get to bed. And so I went to bed and I was laying in bed. Um, my bedroom faced um, out to the backyard, so I had a window that looked out to the backyard. And my bed was basically below the window, so I was laying in bed on my side facing away from the window. Um, and even though I'd felt this overwhelming sense of tiredness, which drove me to bed, um, I was laying there awake for probably 10 or 15 minutes when suddenly, I don't know why, but for some reason I I felt this urge to just turn around. Then I turned around and looked out the window and... Um, what I saw was basically this craft which was completely soundless um, and as I turned around and looked out the window and um, all I could see was this craft just basically moving from, from the house it was just moving from the house over to the backyard as I looked out the window so I just saw this craft drifting over the backyard it, it was uh, this silver metallic coloured craft um, round typical what you would describe as a flying saucer I suppose um, uh, look I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing basically I, I, I recall turning around a couple of times and then looking back out the window because I thought I was seeing things and um once I established that I was wide awake and that I wasn't seeing things and this thing was there, I went running out to my parents, um, basically to the kitchen window. So my parents were sitting in the living room beside the kitchen, but the room they were sitting in, they had the shutters down so they couldn't see out the window. So I came running out saying basically, look, look, there's something over the backyard and looks like a UFO or something come and have a look you know like and my parents came out to the kitchen where I was standing at that point at the kitchen window and all three of us saw this thing and um I remember telling my mum to go and get the camera but it's being 1993 you know we didn't have cell phones or cameras in our pockets or whatever you know we basically had a a camera with uh you know, cameras back then took film, so we had a camera, but we didn't have film, and we didn't own a video camera. Um, so, you know, we couldn't photograph this thing, so I, you know, I wanted to get a closer look at this thing, so I decided to go out to the backyard. Um, I remember my mum saying something along the lines of, don't go out there, you'll get... You, you might get abducted, you know, and I basically just laughed and kept going and went out to the backyard and my dad followed me out and so the two of us were basically standing there in the backyard and, and just as, as I walked out to the backyard, followed by my dad maybe five or ten seconds later, this thing started to move off slowly. So it just started to slowly fly off. Um, as I said, completely soundless, made no noise whatsoever, um, was approximately 10 to 15 metres in diameter, so that's maybe 30 to 40 feet in diameter, 
probably from bottom to top of the craft, two to three metres high, so what's that, six to eight feet. And it was probably only, I would say, 15 to 20 metres or 45 to 60 feet above um, us. So um, it was very close sighting. All three of us... Um, describe having seen the exact same thing. It definitely looked like a structured, manufactured craft. So your typical silver metallic coloured disc shaped UFO, I guess. Um, it had a long rectangular red light with two square white lights on each side of the red light on the back of the craft definitely didn't see any windows or portholes or anything on on the craft and didn't see any dome on top of it so just the silver disc shaped craft with lights on the back and as we went out to the backyard it started to fly off slowly in uh, probably in first an easterly then more of a north easterly direction gaining in uh, height and speed the further it got away um, how does that make me feel, the whole sighting thing? Well, prior to this sighting, I, I can't say I had a great interest in U- UFOs. I mean, I'd obviously heard of them, um, seen the movies and all that sort of stuff like anyone. My mum was obviously influenced by that as well. I mean, her comment, don't go out there, you might get abducted, pretty much says it all. You know, um, I guess we're conditioned to think that these things are extraterrestrial through TV and media, but prior to that, I personally had no interest in UFOs, I guess. I mean, I was 17 at the time, and I I wouldn't say I was a disbeliever, but I wasn't a believer. I was sort of like, you know, they could exist, but who knows, and I'd never put much more thought into it than that at that point in my life. My dad, um, complete sceptic, doesn't believe in aliens visiting Earth, anything like that. I will admit that since the sighting, I developed a keen interest in the topic for a while and I read books about it and I I did start leaning towards the extra, extraterrestrial hypothesis myself, but um, I never 100% have believed in what UFOs are and they could be many different things. Um, And to this day, I I don't claim to know what we saw that night. I did lean towards the extraterrestrial hypothesis for a long time, but would never say with 100% certainty. My dad takes the correct position in saying, I mean, he acknowledges having seen it still to this day, but he's always taken the correct position in saying, I don't know what it was. And truth be told, I don't know what it was either. It's changed my life in the sense that, I mean, since then I have had an interest in UFOs. Um, I've also had more of an interest just in the universe in general. And even though I can't say what it was, um, I have to say that the more I learn about this topic, the less I seem to know about it because... There is just such a wealth of information out there and so many people with different opinions, but all I can say is I don't know what it was other than a UFO, which is exactly what that stands for, an unidentified flying object. Um, It has changed my life in that. It's definitely made me interested in them, and I would love to know before I die 
what the hell we saw that night and what UFOs are and are they different things or can they I mean yeah I just want it's basically put me on a lifelong search for answers not that it's consumed my entire life I don't you know just read UFO books or study the subject or whatever but I have had an interest ever since then and it's that interest has definitely rekindled a lot more over the last few years that's been getting a lot more mainstream media attention again yeah so that's my story thanks for listening my name is Jack I live in Norfolk Virginia currently I'm nearly 50 years old in the late 70s I'm 8 or 9 years old at the time and we're shopping at a strip mall my mom's in the grocery st- inside the grocery store my dad, my brother, and I are in the car. I'm in the back seat with a matchbox car, and I'm playing with it in the back window of my dad's Ford Galaxy. I don't know if you know, but those things can be good sized, especially the back windows. Anyway, I'm playing with the car in the back in on the back windowsill, and I look up in the sky. And I see what I think at first is a hot air balloon, like the Goodyear blimp. And I'm looking, and I get all excited, tell my dad and brother. My brother's two, three years old at the time, so he has no clue. My dad's in the front seat. He goes, yeah, okay, whatever. So I keep looking, and a couple of seconds after I see it, I realize there's no gondola on the bottom. Okay, so it's not a blimp. Then what is it? As it continues, it's passed through the through my field of view, which is framed by the building to my left and a clump of trees on my right. I see that it's smooth, not like a blimp. It's completely smooth. And I notice something. It looks like a mirror because it's reflecting reflecting the sky and I swear to you I can see the rare cloud that is up there I can see it reflect off this thing whatever it is and the thing just keeps going there's no contrail there's no anything being left behind so I'm thinking to myself what is this and I continue to watch it I'm just watching this thing I have no idea what it is and I continue to watch it and the only thing that I can compare it to in terms of what I've seen of UFO stuff since this the closest thing is the what's his name the New Mexico sheriff the one that had the encounter in the desert I can't remember his name or the city he's from at the time But anyway, it continues across my field of view. And then about halfway through, I see two jets giving chase. They must have been scrambled out of NES Langley or whatever. So I'm continuing to watch this thing happen. And I take a brief look around and I don't see hardly anybody seeing this. So I continue to look up 
And the thing was moving fairly slowly to my knowledge at the time it was moving across the sky. And this thing, once I see the jets come into view, it looked like it sped up. That's the only way I can explain it. It looked like it might have sped up. Because by the time the jets get a quarter of the way through through my field of view, this thing is already starting, getting ready to disappear behind the buildings. And I'm thinking to myself, what is this? And I get all excited. I get hyped up like I've had like 50 things of sugar or something. (laughs) 50 pieces of candy or something back then. And I'm hype. I'm going, Dad, Dad, did you see what I see? And he's in the front seat. He can't see out the back. And he has no idea what I'm talking about. And he has no interest in getting out of the car to look. And my little brother's in his car seat, so he has no way to know what's going on other than what I'm telling him. And before the before the um, airplanes get too far into my field of view, the thing's already gone. Now, a couple of things. First off, it was teardrop shaped. So that the teardrop, the pointed end, is moving forward. It looked absolutely smooth. No seams on it whatsoever. And also, like I said, there was a, it, felt, it looked like it was a mirror finish on the bottom of it. Because it looked like it was reflecting the sky. And for a split second, I thought I could see something that would be akin to maybe trying to reflect the sun off of it. But it was just briefly. Most of it was looking like it was trying to reflect sky. So it looked like it was trying to blend into the sky. And I have no idea what it is. To this day, I don't know. And the only thing that lends any credence to it for me that makes me think I saw something is because I saw the planes give chase. Otherwise, I might have put it out of my mind and forgotten all about it. But when the planes start giving chase, I'm going, I'm seeing something real here. I have no idea what it was. It could be alien. It could be man-made. Something that's still to come. Or something that we may never get to find out about. Whatever it was, it was like nothing I've ever seen in the sky. I mean, it looked somewhere between a blimp, a teardrop, and a missile. No contrail, no noise except for the planes. This thing did not make a sound. Now, I can speculate for days on what it could be. But bottom line is, I have no clue. Hello, people. Um, I'd like to share a story with you, which uh, a UFO story, which has happened to myself and my brother around 40 years ago. So it was a long time ago, but the relevance of it has not changed. Briefly, my brother and I witnessed a chase between two hostile craft. The chase resulted in one of those craft crashing into a tree and a third party was involved. That third party was able to get a close-up look of, at the craft, 
Uh, it measured around eight metres long and appeared like a yellow speedboat shape from the underneath. I suppose I'll go into some detail about what my brother and I witnessed. We were quite young at the time, but um, our house looked um, looked over a, val- a valley uh, up towards the st- township of Stirling. At the end of the valley, there was a ridge uh, with some pine trees on it, and we knew the valley well. We'd hear cars and helicopters and any other mechanical devices. The sound seemed to echo down the valley. Well, on this particular night, my brother called out and said, Phil, come and check this out. At the end of the valley, just above the tree line, was a yellow object. It was hovering, wobbling around, then it would resume its hover. And we knew that this was not any ordinary craft, so we were pretty interested. A few minutes later, a red object joined this yellow object, and it was almost had a cartoon-like quality to it. The, the red object zoomed up to the yellow object, reversed up and then zoomed up again as if the yellow occupants had not actually noticed the presence of it. The yellow object took off, took off um, as fast as a rocket and the red object followed. So these craft zigzagged across um, our valley back and forth many times in very close pursuit. Sort of like a couple of blowflies, if you've ever watched a couple of blowflies zipping around the sky. They they, they almost uh, operate as if they're on on the same brain because the they don't they they stay such a close uniform distance apart um it's it's quite impressive to watch and these craft performed like that every now and again the yellow object became stuck as if it was um, caught by some invisible force and it would shake back and forth and then it would free itself and the chase would would continue the sort of movements of these craft were nothing like any uh, conventional aircraft could do. The accelerations were instant, so that'd, that'd be from a stationary position, get to a speed instantly, and stop, turn, reverse, with no change in velocity at all. So the, it was like watching ping pong balls bounce off of a wall. That obviously overcome the barriers of inertia. There appeared to be no inertia to the movements of these craft. Um, we had enough time to run into our parents' room and try to get them out of bed to come and watch this. But uh, they told us to go back to sleep, so they um, perhaps didn't believe us. Eventually, the yellow craft had enough of this chase and took off to our right and disappeared behind a hill. Uh, we, that was the end of the event. We didn't see any more chasing and we didn't see any more craft. The, um, we waited probably for an hour afterwards to see if they would reappear, but they didn't. All up, the sighting lasted maybe 15 minutes in total. Now, two days later, uh, in the paper, another chap had reported on the same night at the same time, uh, hearing a a loud crash. He ran out the back of his house, shone the torch into a tree and saw this yellow object wedged some 30 or 40 metres into the upper branches of this tree. He described it as an eight-metre-long yellow speedboat shape from the underside. Now, the craft had knocked off a branch measuring some 30 centimetres in diameter uh, and had done significant damage to the tree. So it had a pretty significant impact, but it wasn't destroyed. Um, Daryl, the chap who had witnessed this, called the police and they did turn up, but by the time they turned up, the craft had disappeared. But 
from my brother's perspective and my own perspective, we knew Daryl was telling the truth because we had witnessed the same event on the same night at the same time. And where the craft had disappeared to, from our own vision, was where Daryl lived, which was behind that hill. So we knew that the two events or the two sightings were the same event. So I guess my reason for bringing this out to public is that I'm hoping to bring the conversation, to move the conversation forward beyond the believe it or not stage. Most of the public still seem unconvinced that we are actually being visited. And uh, from my own perspective, uh, well, it's, there is no question. These, these craft were so far beyond the human inventory, uh, especially during the 1980s when I think the first handheld calculator only came out in 1972 into Australia. So we were still pretty primitive as far as electronic technology went and these craft performed like nothing that uh, the human inventory had in its possession. So it leaves uh, very little uh, other explanations except to say that these intelligences behind these craft were non-human and likely extraterrestrial. So the question is, or the questions which I would like the conversation to pursue is, what are they doing here? You know, these are, these are important questions. Uh, are they here to help us or are they here to protect their own interest in the planet? We, this is the level of conversation that we need to get to and we need to move beyond the believe it or not stage. I believe that the conversation is very important. The fact that my brother and I witnessed conflict tells us an enormous amount about the, the makeup of the visitors who are doing stuff on Earth. If there's conflict that still exists within these extraterrestrial groups, then it's likely that self-interest also exists. And this is, this is sort of probably one of the most important parts of the conversation, is that a lot of the, a lot of the conversation seems to be, or a lot of witnesses seem to think that they're here to help us. Well, it may, it may be that these entities are more benevolent than the human race. Uh, after all, we're pretty well like Planet of the Apes. We're a bunch of warring tribes. So there's no, no credits to the human species at all. But whether they're here to help us or protect their own interest is really the, um, the big question. Uh, I'd hope that you guys consider, uh, from your own experiences, what sort of evidence that um, you've witnessed personally that will add to this story. And I encourage you guys to, to bring it out so that we can begin a conversation because our governments are not, our institutions are letting us down. They, um, you know, they've been in denial as much as uh, most of the, the general public. So um, thanks for listening and I hope I'll speak to you again. My name is Benedikt. I'm 36 years old. I, um, I'm originally Icelandic, but I've been, I've been living in Norway for the past 30 years. I'm also a technology student. I had a pretty crazy experience in 2010. Um, at that point, I was already very 
into UFOs. I was researching and I, I was actually writing a blog about it. I was also into kind of uh, paranormal and uh, kind of occult magic ritual uh, stuff. So I um, I was into something called sigil magic. It's kind of a technique that you use to try to manifest something in your life. And I, I did this ritual to try to make contact with UFOs or ETs. Sometime after this, I was getting ready to go to work. I was working a night shift at a hotel, so I, it was late at night. The minute I pulled up my curtains, uh, I could see this glowing object in the sky. I, I knew straight away that it was uh, something extraordinary. So I just uh, it, I looked at it for one second, and then I I ran out to the driveway. Um, when I got to the driveway, I saw there were three of these objects in kind of the same area of the sky they were just glowing orbs of light really uh, kind of golden reddish very intensely glowing lights they were moving slowly around this, the same area and um, they were kind of playing with each other I could see at one time they made a, an, uh, a right angle triangle at five different occasions, they kind of powered up this insanely to this insane intensity, like, like 10 times the intensity that it was originally. And the, the original intensity was very, very intense also. So they would hold this new intensity for maybe six to nine seconds, and then they would go down again. The, the power-up sequences made me feel like there was kind of this enormous amount of energy being channeled into our our reality like there was some kind of reservoir being pumped in <laughs> it, it was like all the colors of the spectrum just radiating at once from the from the from the point they were kind of putting on a show for me <laughs> one of the things that i remember the best is you know they, they were kind of fading in and out sometimes it would it was fade out and then it was come back into reality so this this maneuver that i remember is uh one of them would fade in at one place. Another one would fade in a little bit above and, and to the right and move over the first one. And the moment it kind of was just above the first one, the, the lower one would light up, as I just uh, described, to an insane uh, <laughs> intensity. Watching the, the Phenomenon movie, I, I saw one person describe the UFOs they saw as if they were looking down at a hot coal. This was very similar to what I would describe with these UFOs. It was just a, a glowing object that was glowing from all directions. So I was actually watching this thing for uh, about 90 minutes in total. Uh, I was standing outside in the cold, uh, just uh, watching this. And when they when they were lighting up, I just kind of <laughs> I screamed of, of joy. <laughs> it was just so intense for me. So the experience ended with three military planes. As I I I, I could I identify them as of the type of Hercules planes. They were big propeller driven planes. They came from the direction behind me. Um, they were flying very low. Um, the middle one flew, I think, maybe about 500 meters straight above my head, and they were they were going in the direction of these lights, these objects. The middle plane that flew over my head flew in a straight 
line in a collision course towards one of the stationary UFOs and it flew extremely close to it. I was standing on the ground there and I was I was afraid that it was going to crash into it. But in, in the last second, the airplane very abruptly turned to the right. I think it must have turned as fast as this type of airplane can turn. <laughs> it, it looks very dramatic. And you can just imagine three of these big Hercules planes flying low over the town. It was just a massive sound. It was like a scene out of a movie, really. Shortly after these planes came and, and confronted them, I, I had to go to work. So I had to leave the area. There were a lot of things that points me in the direction that this experience was put on for me personally. I know it sounds crazy, but it's the only thing that makes sense to me. Not only that I did the, this magic ritual <laughs> to try to attract this experience and, and then it happened. Um, this, ha this happened on the 20th of October 2010, before and after 2010 o'clock. So in, in the time format of my country, it, it happened 2010, 2010, 2010. It's triple 2010. <laughs> there were three UFOs. There were three airplanes. <laughs> it just... <laughs> the symmetry of the date makes me feel that they, they have, they have a, a complete control of our time system down to the minute. And I think it was, it was kind of a demonstration that this wasn't a random event. Another thing that makes me think this is that the window I first look out, looked out to see them the first time, th there are a lot of trees in front of the windows. So th there's a, actually a, very li a little patch of clearer sky. And this UFO was in the middle of this patch. So it, that's kind of strange. Also, sometime while I was standing there watching this I, I had a good view um, in general but I felt if I walked a little bit down the street uh, I would have an even better view so I tried to walk down the street uh, but then they just disappeared and there was nothing so the moment I walked back to, the, to my driveway it started up again with the show <laughs> the last thing is that the maneuvers they did, it, it really looked like they were performing something like on a screen for me. <laughs> the maneuver where the one was was uh, flying over the other one, it was just uh, perfectly aligned for me to be able to see what was happening. And then the airplanes coming <laughs> straight over my head from the, from the other side, it just it just feels so symmetrical. I don't know. I tried. I've tried many times over the years to get some answers from the military here in Norway, but they're not sharing anything. They're not, they're not even lying to me and telling me that it was some kind of exercise. It just, there's no trace of this, uh, this incident. I'm convinced this were, these were military planes. There were three gigantic, uh, propeller driven planes and doing these kind of maneuvers. I don't think uh, a private entity would or a civilian entity would do something like that. Actually, it makes me feel that they did something very risky by flying an airplane into an, this unknown object in the sky. They, they had no idea of knowing what this object was going to do. So doing this over a populated area feels very <laughs> risky to me. But at the same time, I'm, 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 I'm glad I got to see 
something as extraordinary as that. In the end, for me, I, I was kind. Of, I was very convinced about the UFO reality anyway because I had been studying the history. So this this was just a big confirmation for me that uh, this phenomenon is real. Hi Ryan. Hi everyone. This is Alexa from the Pacific Northwest, and uh, my sighting happened when I was in seventh grade in about 2000. This was in a town 20 miles north of Seattle, and it was much less developed back then than it is now. Uh, But at the time, my mom, dad, and I would go on drives in the evening after dinner, and this particular time, it must have been during winter break from school, because I seem to recall this was on a weeknight, and it was dark early. So we were driving a new route out a little further than usual, just exploring. And I remember the car being silent, but it's possible that my parents were chatting up front. I was sitting in the back seat, lost in my own thoughts, and staring out the window into the winter darkness. Uh, We turned down a road with trees on both sides, and on the right side, there was a low slope with some houses at the top. I think about, I seem to recall or remember three houses. Uh, They were built into the hillside, and they had those decks that were built on stilts. Because if you, you know, walked out your back door, you would just fall straight down the hill. So, stilts. Um, I was pulled away from whichever middle school drama I was contemplating at the time um, with the sudden thought, that's a really big bug zapper. You know, maybe we were traveling at about 25 miles per hour on a semi-rural road that was dark in the winter, uh, but these three houses had some lights on inside, And I can see what I am assuming is a large bug zapper hanging from the roof of the closest house to us on the top of the hill, Uh, like hanging from the roof right above the deck. I could see lights through the trees that were not part of the house. And... It was a large, rectangular, hanging bug zapper. At least that's what I thought I could see until we got closer. And I realized that this thing is at the wrong angle to be something hanging from an awning or whatever. In fact, what I'm looking at is a large, black, floating rectangle hovering over the roof of this house. The best way that I could describe it is that if you took a standard black TV remote and held it up with the buttons facing down, except in the very center of this thing is a single round red light, a big red light, And in place of all the other remote buttons are hundreds of smaller golden white lights. My parents didn't see it. I didn't say anything. Mainly because I had 
this feeling like I saw something that I wasn't supposed to see. And I was trying to convince myself that I didn't see it. The Phoenix Lights were in the news only a few years before, and my parents watched The X-Files, so I knew about UFOs, but I had never heard of a hovering black rectangle. And it wasn't until about 2017, when I was reading the book Hudson Valley UFOs by Linda Zimmerman, when I turned to page 51, that I ever heard of them again, and this book in fact has a small chapter on unidentified flying rectangles, but there are only maybe two or three accounts in that chapter. And really, this book is the only good info on such a thing, flying rectangles, that I could really find. The main thing I remember feeling during the sighting was like I had walked into a room, saw something that I wasn't supposed to see, and then tried to convince myself I didn't see it. It was like I didn't want to believe it, or felt like I should forget that I did see it. You know, kind of like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That line from The Wizard of Oz. I don't know what it was, but now I would probably say it had to be some kind of military craft, maybe a drone or some kind of projection even, but... Why a rectangle? Why hovering over a suburban house? It just seems like a lot of strange choices. And to this day, all I really have are questions. That's the end of my story. Thanks for listening. All right, so uh, my name is Jake. I'm going to talk about a UFO encounter that I had in... The autumn of 2015. Uh, this took place in a rural part of central Maine, and it happened on my family's property. Uh, we live on a property on the top of a hill. Uh, the population of our town is about 4,000, so pretty small. Um, the property is about a square acre, and the house is right about in the center of that acre. Uh, The yard around it is fairly sizable. On three sides, it's surrounded by the woods, and then the other side faces the road. I do have neighbors, but not really neighbors in the traditional suburban sense. Uh, More just similarly sized properties kind of dotted along a back road. Uh, So anyway, uh, I was home alone, and I took my dogs out to the backyard at around 11 p.m. so that they could go to the bathroom and I could smoke a cigarette. Uh, This was a nightly thing at the time, and nothing weird had ever happened. We were outside for probably a few minutes, maybe five, and uh, we finished up. I finished my cigarette, my dogs finished doing their business, and I walked them right up to the back porch. And as soon as the dogs kind of crossed the threshold into the house from the back porch, I just hear this really weird sort of humming noise coming from just above, coming from the sky. Uh, It's a really, really hard sound to describe. It's sort of engine-like, but not really. It was very otherworldly. I kind of have compared it to the sound of, like, uh, the boiler room when the heat kicks on. But again, that's 
really an approximation. So it was just this really weird, strange, reverberating, low-frequency hum. It immediately got my attention, as it seemed to kind of fill my ears, drowning out all the other noises. I let the dogs inside. They didn't seem to notice, as far as I could tell. Uh, but at the same time, I wasn't exactly focused on their reaction at all. Uh, but it did seem like they didn't they didn't pay it any mind. Uh, so I let them in and turned around to see what was making the noise. And after a few seconds, I see this, I guess, rhombus-shaped diamond, like a 3D diamond. Uh, the nose end of it was longer than the tail end of it. And it's just... Uh, it's hovering above the tree lines, maybe just a couple feet above the trees, so really only 30, 35 feet above the ground. It's this this really big diamond shaped, and it was uh, black glass, like the whole texture of the thing was just this seamless black glass, and then the edges of the rhombus were all kind of lit up. I almost imagine like uh, like LED strip lighting. That's really the closest like human thing I can think of. So it was edged out with all these little kind of sparkling lights, and uh, it just it just it's hovering along the tree line, kind of making its way across my yard. Uh, and I just remember being completely frozen, uh, both with fear and kind of awe, like wonderment. <laughs> It's moving at a low speed, just sort of sauntering at about 10 miles or so. So very, very slowly, just moving along the yard. Uh, it seemed... I remember thinking that it was, it was looked very large and dense, and it didn't seem like something that could hover like that, because it was just this giant thing. So it just glides right along the trees, and the other thing that I noticed uh, was that the trees didn't move at all. Like, like uh, I could imagine if it was a giant drone, then there would have been kind of like a vortex created by the uh, propellers that kept it up that would have knocked the trees around, uh, but there was nothing. It was not interacting with the world around it at all. It was just, uh, it was like it was there, but it was, it was doing its own thing. It wasn't interacting with the world around it, which I thought was very, very strange. Um, I remember it's coming from... The right side of the tree line, and over the course of a couple seconds, it it kind of saunters away from me at the same speed uh, to the point where I couldn't see it behind the trees after a certain point. And I remember it, it maybe lasted about 15, 20 seconds of this thing, kind of making its presence known. And I, I remember making a very strong, conscious effort not to blink or look away. Or flinch or anything because I I could immediately tell how important this experience was, and I needed to do everything in my power to to kind of look at it and face up to it. Uh, that's about as rational as it gets. As I was like I said, I was completely frozen in fear. <laughs> I could imagine um, like I, I remember hearing on a different podcast. Uh, like if you if you imagine being a bear in the woods and all of a sudden this giant metal bird flies down and then people come out of it and they they shoot you with this weird dart gun and then you pass out and then you wake up and you have this weird thing attached to your ear and you have no idea what just happened to you it's just this really weird thing just happened and you don't have any sort of frame of reference to uh, compare it to anything that's that's kind of how I felt I felt like the grizzly bear being 
being tagged by the by the researchers or something. <laughs> um, so anyway, I just it 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 slowly gets farther and farther away from me, and I can still hear it, but it's I can't see it anymore, and the sound of it is getting lighter and lighter. Um, and then after that, I just I just went inside. I mean, that's what's so strange to me sometimes is that. Uh, you you still have to you, I mean you have a whole life to live after that and this this insane thing just happened to you and then but you still have to you know you still have to go to school you still have to go to work you still have to cook dinner you know I, I remember just going inside and, and like watching TV and, and playing video games like this thing just didn't happen to me and I think it took a little while for, for it to really set in uh, that I just had this insane experience that makes no sense and uh and yeah i mean i still a lot of memories are fuzzy for me but that is forever burned into my brain the exact way it happened was just how it looked how it sounded and how it moved um i don't i don't really tell very many people in my life i've told friends and family before and uh Luckily, nobody thinks I'm uh, crazy, but I do get the feeling that people are like, yeah, we we believe that you saw something. They, they don't know if it's an alien spacecraft or, or what whatever the hell it was, or some sort of interdimensional spacecraft, but they, they think that I saw something because I'm so... Uh, it was so real for me, and I wouldn't really lie about that sort of thing. Um, the other thing is that I, I don't have any history of schizophrenia in my family. Um, I don't have any history of, like, grand mal seizures or, or epilepsy or anything. Uh, so I don't really... I don't have a, a, a physiological explanation for it or, or really a mental explanation for it. And, and nothing has ever happened since. Uh, I, I still live at the same location. And... I, I haven't seen anything. I, I definitely keep my eye out for it, but it hasn't returned. Um, it's just it's just this really weird thing that happened that lasted like 20 seconds. Uh, just this thing came out of nowhere and said hello and then just took off. And I have no explanation. Uh, I've been racking my brain ever since. I go on the all the UFO subreddits and... I've read a couple books about it. I really like what Jacques Vallée has to say about the whole uh, alien experience or UFO experience. And I don't even know if it was aliens or if it was some insanely exotic military spacecraft. Uh, if it was one of ours, then we are way more advanced than we know. <laughs> uh, so, so I don't know. But yeah, that's my story. And... Uh, Hope to hear it on the podcast, and thank you. My name is Nicole Morak, and I'm a meteorologist, writer, and the producer and host of the PEEP podcast, which explores how scientists and researchers study the paranormal and relates that to people who experience the paranormal. You could say that my sighting is part of the reason I have a podcast now, and Somewhere in the Skies has been an inspiration to me, so I'm excited to share my story with you and your listeners. This happened in November of 1997, just south of Falls Lake and north of Raleigh, North Carolina. I was driving home from work down Highway 50, which is a two-lane highway that goes over the lake and through the woods. It was just a little after 5 p.m. and still light out, but approaching dusk. 
At that time, I was about a year out of college with a communication degree and hadn't gone back to school for my meteorology degree yet. I was an editor and office manager for a small wedding video company that was located just north of the lake. Back then, there was hardly anything on that road because development hadn't spread that far north yet. I was approaching a rare intersection with a stoplight, which was and still is in a clearing, and I was heading south. To my left, or east, on the north side of the intersection was a gas station, set back a bit from the road, and the tree line was at least 50 feet, maybe more, behind that. There was a man driving the vehicle in front of me, and I was driving my little red Isuzu pickup. The light was red, so we were slowing to a stop. Something made me look back to my left out my side window. It might have been motion in my side view mirror, but I'm not sure. I looked over my shoulder as I was stopping the pickup, and I saw two round balls. These days, I'd call them orbs of light, but at that time I didn't really know that word, so I just called them balls. They were back to the northeast. In height, they were close to the top of the tall pine trees we have all over North Carolina. They looked to be about the size of beach balls, bigger than a basketball for sure. I don't recall any solid form, just two lights. And I have to admit, all these years later, I'm a little fuzzy on the exact color that they started as, but I think it was red. They came from back there and flew toward the center of the intersection in front of me. As they did, it was like they were playing follow the leader. They stayed about four feet apart the whole time, and the one in front changed color when it was parallel to the side of my truck. I think it went to yellow. Just a half second later, you know, quickly but definitely delayed, the one behind it changed to the same color. When they got over the intersection, they made a sharp turn and went back to my right, or the northwest, and headed back toward the trees on that side of the clearing. It all seemed to happen in slow motion, and I remember wondering if the guy in front of me was seeing the same thing. Like, he had to, right? The light turned green, and he started driving, and so did I. I don't recall seeing them appear or disappear. I just watched them as they made this V-shape in the sky above me. It seemed like they got lower as they approached the road and higher as they left. I didn't have to strain my neck to look up through the windshield to see them in front of me. It was obviously weird, but I wasn't scared, just really curious. Like, what on earth did I just see? I grew up hearing stories of others in my family having seen UFOs, so maybe that's why I didn't freak out. I spent the rest of the drive home, which was about seven minutes in Durali, going over all of it in my head. There were there was nothing attached to the lights. If it had been a helicopter, unless it was completely invisible, I would have seen it, and I'm pretty sure we still don't have that kind of technology. At the time, I still lived with my parents, and I couldn't wait to tell my dad when I got home because I was sure he'd believe me. He did, but of course he couldn't tell me what it was either. They reminded me of the drones from Star Wars, even though there's not technically anything like that in Star Wars. I'm not convinced they weren't terrestrial, but as a meteorologist, I am 100% sure it wasn't any type of weather phenomenon or swamp gas or whatever. These seemed to be under intelligent control, and their path made the shape of a V over the intersection. I've met quite a few meteorologists over the year that work in the DOD, Army, and Air Force, and some of them have pretty high clearances. I've asked each one 
if they have ever heard or seen anything like that, and all of them have said no. And even the ones with the higher clearances have had the look on their face that said they were not lying. So even if they could have said yes, but were not supposed to, and still said no, their faces said, no, I've never seen anything like that. And I believe them. I've always been fascinated with the unknown, and this experience just cemented my interest in UAP. I'm not quite obsessed, but I watch as many documentaries as I can and listen to your podcast and others, hoping to hear someone describe something similar. So far in all the years I've been waiting, nobody has. Maybe someone out there is waiting to hear my story so they can relate to it, too. Anyway, thanks so much for doing what you do. You do a great job of covering this topic from a grounded, balanced perspective, and you keep the focus on how it affects the experiencers, and that is so important. Keep up the good work. Hey, Ryan. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to share this brief, but I hope slightly different uh, sighting story. Uh, my name's Mark. And this uh, happened in 1991. Can't believe it's been nearly 30 years, but um, it has. And I still think about it quite a bit. So at the time, my buddy Todd and I were in our early 20s. And he had become part owner of a small boat that was docked in Lorain, Ohio, which is about 30 miles west of Cleveland on Lake Erie. And one evening that summer... The two of us took the boat out of the marina, um, and we were just cruising around, listening to music, stopping to fish on occasion if we felt like it, and basically just enjoying a, a summer night on the water. And it was super calm that night. There were no waves, and if there was any wind, it was minimal. But it was probably about 10 p.m. Uh, it was dark, obviously, um, and we were sitting about half a mile offshore, uh, the motor was cut and the motor wasn't running. We were in the back of the boat, just chilling, facing east. And we saw this small white light, maybe 50 yards to the southeast. I'm guesstimating, but that seems to be pretty accurate. And the light was looked to be just off the surface of the water. It was kind of hard to tell at, at first sighting. Um, and it didn't look very big, but it was blinking on and off uh, rhythmically and very consistently, maybe um, in one and a half second increments. So it was like blink, blink, blink like that. And it looked to be coming towards us. And as we watched it, it was definitely coming closer to us. And we could tell it wasn't very big at all. And it was making no noise. And we're both watching it and commenting, you know, the, the usual things you would say when you're looking at something that you don't understand. You know, like, what the hell is this thing? And we're wondering if maybe it was a firefly or some kind of insect. But the light, when it was on, was, was a pure white. And it was spherical. And when it wasn't on... In between blinks, you couldn't see any outline or any shape, so it was very hard to tell what this thing actually looked like, if it had a shape at all. Um, but it continued towards us on a perfectly straight line, 
and it wasn't changing altitude, it wasn't changing its height whatsoever. And it was probably three feet above the water. So as it got closer, we were watching it intently. We were standing up, trying to make sense of this thing coming at us. And it got probably within 10 feet of the stern of the boat as it passed by. And you could tell that it was maybe the size of a tennis ball when it was lit. The, the, lit, the lit orb was the size of a tennis ball. Um, and again, no sound. We kept listening for sound. It made no sound. And watching for any deviation in this flight path that it was on, but it never deviated at all. And we just continued to watch it <laughs> wide-eyed as it flew uh, northwest on the same line until it was out of sight over the horizon in the dark. And to this day, I have no clue what this thing was. Um, Todd and I are still friends. We still keep in touch regularly, and um, we will revisit the event on occasion, and neither of us have any more clarity now than we did back then, and we just shake our heads over it. I have no clue. Um, and I'm, I, I've always been interested in the UFO topic, um, and I've kept up on incredible sighting reports and whatnot, and I have yet to come across a similar sighting and would love to know if anybody listening out there has seen something similar, especially in the Great Lakes area or Lake Erie in particular. Um, if you have, please get in touch with Ryan. I would love to talk to you. Um, but the, uh, the event had a, a profound effect. Um, like I said, I still think about it today. I still wonder what the heck this thing was. And I don't know. that That's really the gist of it. So thank you for the opportunity to share this. Hi, my name is Kyle, and uh, this is my sighting. In 2003, I was living in the town of Belvedere, Illinois, and my brother and I were playing um, horse in our driveway, and we had a uh, hoop that was on our garage, and it was facing west. And my brother had tossed the ball in, and it bounced off the hoop. And I go to follow the hoop with my eyes as it goes into the trees, and I see this dark charcoal-colored triangular shape and it was probably 2,000 to 2,500 feet in the air uh, almost almost directly above and to the front or to the west of us and it didn't have any like solid edges it was all rounded on the sides and the back and in the back in a recess section there were uh, two like circle nozzles on each side and a longer uh, elongated oval in the center but it was like recessed inside of the that flat that edge of the triangle and I looked at my brother and I was like what's that at the time I was really interested in you know our modern jets and uh, mostly World War II aircraft and I was like I, I've, I've never seen anything like that and uh, that weekend, we were supposed to go to our grandparents' house. And um, we did. 
And I, we talked to my, my step-grandfather about it, and we spent two hours on the internet trying to find something that matched our description, and we never found it. And shortly after that, I started having bouts of um, sleep paralysis. I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I would be frozen, and I couldn't move my fingers or my toes and I couldn't scream, and it was really hard, and I didn't know what to do about it. Um, I continued having the sleep paralysis for, for years after that, and I eventually just figured out that I had to relax and breathe and close my eyes and focus on moving things that, uh, to get my body working again, and... Um, shortly after the first incident, I was getting off the bus with my friend Nick, and as we got off the bus, we saw these two jets chase something that was smoldering in the air, and we asked our reading teacher the next day, who was a uh, Air Force reservist, and she said that she didn't know anything about it, she'd ask, and we, of course, never heard anything, but, um... After that, um, I started having real vivid uh, lucid dreams, and uh, that's something I still have to this day. I, I don't, until recently, I didn't correlate these incidents and put them together, but it seems that it's something that happens to people who witness the dark triangles, and yeah, that's... That's what happened to me. Hi, my name is Jake. Um, on the 9th of September, 2020, uh, which was a Sunday, my best friend and I, who is here with me... Hi, my name is Bruce. Um, ...saw a boomerang-shaped craft, uh, UFO, UAP, whatever you want to call it, fly over our house in the middle of downtown Plant City... Um, if you don't know where that is, that is, uh, ooh, it's, um... It's e a small town east of Tampa, but west of Lakeland. Yeah, there you go. East of Tampa, west of Lakeland. Um, it, it was downtown. Um, we live in what's called the Historic District. Probably a three, three or four minute walk from what's considered downtown Plant City. And, um, I had just got off work that night. I had, uh, picked up Bruce... And we went down to Wendy's to get some food. Um, we came back, sat in my car for a little bit, and we started listening to an episode of the podcast. It was episode uh, volume four of Eyewitness Accounts. Um, that one's the one with the dude uh, whose wife goes outside while she's smoking and uh, sees the craft fly over his house, and he's the sheriff deputy and shit. Um and uh, we finished up the episode uh, on that story specifically and you know getting the stuff out of my car getting my phone put my phone in my pocket um, opened the door took two or three steps and I'm standing behind uh, Bruce's car which uh, we didn't take and I just happened to look up and when I look up I see um, a boomerang shaped craft like 
exactly the boomerang, the exact same shape to my uh, to me. It was uh, black and white. It was almost completely black, except on the border of the craft, there was about I don't know a, a thick line of white, and uh, on the white line were orbs that surrounded the entire craft on the outside but the inside of the craft was black and um i watched it and it was going slow i mean you know 20 30 miles an hour and it was so low and quiet it was not even 20 you know 200 feet above us and you know i watch it for about three seconds before i get the sense in me to turn around and slap bruce and i turn around and hit him on the shoulder and say look at this fucking thing holy shit and he turns around and looks up and sees it and you know bruce you wanna it took a moment to realize what exactly i was looking at because of the fact that it takes you a moment to realize that you're looking at something you've never seen before but Overall, it looked exactly as Jake as Jake described it, but I would say that it gave me the impression of being something meant for reconnaissance, if anything. That's what it seemed like to me. It seemed like it was observing what it flew over. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and so we watched it, and um, we, we just kind of sat there and watched it, for another few seconds fly behind a tree uh, that's in a neighbor's yard um, behind our house and uh, we stood there for a few seconds afterward kind of freaking out because I've been into the UFO phenomena for most of my life so seeing something like this just fly over your house in the middle of the night it just kind of gets you going. And uh, I freaked out for a little bit, and Bruce is trying to calm me down, and I finally get my sense together. And, you know, it was going kind of southeast, south direction, and um, I tell Bruce to hop in my car because I want to see if I can go see this thing again as it's flying. So, you know, I, I know that south of where we're facing is Highway 39, which leads out into an area called Lithia, which is where my dad's family is from, and my dad has had his own share of experiences, you know, we don't really talk about them much, but, uh, he's had his share, and, you know, I I'm not saying these this craft and his experiences are related at all, but the way that this craft was flying was the direction of almost exactly where I believe that area is. So I got on my car and we tried looking for it again, but we just couldn't find it. And we finally drove for about 35, 45 minutes onto highway 39. And, uh, we didn't see nothing. And we kind of just turned around and went back home. Um, went to bed like normal. Nothing else really happened. Uh, we told my parents, told my dad, he was, intrigued uh told my girlfriend and that's about it that's all that came of it um in my opinion you know there's a few air force bases around here um mcdill's one of the biggest ones right mcdill's the air force yeah um mcdill's not too far it's over in tampa so 
it, it would make sense that this is actually, you know, maybe just kind of a secret military craft or something. But even if it is, like, you know, why come over downtown Plant City, Florida? Just, you know, where God and everybody can see. I mean, it's not an unpopulated area where we're at. I don't know how I, you know, reiterate this enough, but it's so mind-boggling that a military craft, that if this was one, this secret would just slowly, quietly make its way over some houses for fun. Yeah. Bruce, you want to add anything? Um, I don't have much to add, no. Alright. Far out. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.